What if we just sat here the whole time and didn't say anything? Oh, my God. That'd be such a power move. (laughs) (laughs) No, let's do this so we can be done and be on fucking break, Kristen. Yes. All right. One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandy Pond. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll be talking about Liberace. And I'll be talking about a fire. Oh, I'm sure that's going to be horribly depressing, but you can't bring me down. You know why? Why? It's our last episode before we go on break. (laughs) We're a little hyper, a little excited. Yes. Oh, my goodness. It's Mm, also, mm. okay, It's there's so many things. It's also a two-episode week because we recorded the bonus episode on Monday, which anybody who is a regular listener of this podcast knows that we barely hold it together on the second episode. So with it also being the last episode before break, who knows? What you're in for. We're already off the rails. I'll tell you that right now. For sure. I can't even see the rails. Hey, 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 hey. You know what you're doing wrong? What? You're not a member of our Patreon. Oh, Oh. yeah. So if you are, we're obviously not talking to you. Yeah. You're You're doing everything right. You're You're also very hot. We love you. Yeah. That new thing you're doing with your hair. Woo-wee. Bam. It is working. Now you, on the other hand, who is not signed up for our Patreon and has not done anything new with your hair, what are you doing with your life? Yeah, and aren't you going to miss us while we're on break? Yeah. Yeah, so you know what you should do? You should sign up for our Patreon. That way you can binge 41 bonus episodes. Plus, there's about to be a fresh one out. Plus, we're going to put one out in January when we're not putting out any other shit. So, And hey, remember how Mario Batali is a big creep and you definitely wanted to hear a bunch of big, creepy, gross stuff about him? Yeah. Well, Boy, it's do a I Christmas have good miracle. Also, I did an amazing case you for the really bonus did. episode. Wow. Humble. But it's my one of my favorite cases I've ever done. Um, no, it was great. Yeah, it was truly great. Do you want to tell a little bit? Um, or so not I at all? Covered a case of some mysterious deaths that were occurring in a family home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, it it was good. Mm-hmm. So sign up at the five dollar level or higher for all those. Sweet, meaty bonus Are you episodes. While you're no, doing I'm not. Hu- what you're looking right at me. You can see I'm not humping That's anyone. The, that is a pelvic thrust motion. My pelvis didn't move an inch. Now <laughs> oh, my I thought that arms was only did. because your back was hurting. <laughs> my back. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I am a little worried about that bonus episode because I was in serious back pain and it hurt to laugh. Yeah, that is true. But you know what? I just popped some ibuprofen. You're good to go it's right now. It's going to kick in any That's minute. Right. Yeah. Good to go, G baby. G to G, as they say. <sighs> that sounds so badass. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, also. What? Merch. Ooh! We got merch Ooh! on the website, lgtcpodcast.com. That's right. There's merch there. Maybe there's some. What? Juvenile Bigfoot sweatshirts. Uh, there definitely are. I mean, unless they're sold out. By the I mean, time very limited quantities. Yeah, but well, yeah. I mean, get them while they're hot. That's right. That's get them while they're sexy. That's what people say. They don't say that. Uh-huh. No, nobody <laughs> says that. <laughs> Ooh, tell us about Liberace. Brandy, what do you know about Liberace? He plays the piano. 
Yep. He um, has a very elaborate sparkly costumes. Uh-huh. Uh, I believe he's gay because um, a line from a movie that I loved when I was a kid. Austin um, Powers. No, that's actually not what I was going to quote. Oh, what were you? It's a movie called. Now I'm not going to remember the name of it. It it stars French Stewart. It's called (laughs) something. And at the end of it, he says, "You know what? Now I'm gay. I'm full on Liberace gay." Okay. Had a a bad dating experience. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Naturally. Yeah. All right. Well, are, that's, the, that's the extent, extent of your knowledge know about okay. Liberace. Also, I think he went bald, and so he wore um, wigs. Okay, you are so funny because you're always like, "Oh, I don't know much about this person," <laughs> but then like it starts to come out, and it's like, "Well, I actually know quite a bit because I, that stuff is just stored up in my brain, mm-hmm. and like the more I'm speaking, uh-huh. it just like filters down." Yeah, he he definitely wore wigs. Okay. Very good wigs because he was very rich. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He had like gold-plated stuff in his home, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. This man's homes. Do you have a gold toilet? You're thinking of Donald Trump, but it wouldn't surprise me. I'm not <laughs> I'm not getting the two confused, Kristen. Well, no. He had a gold toilet. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. Donald Trump probably also bald under all of that. What do you mean probably? You're a hairstylist. You know he's bald under that. Under that cotton candy. Yeah. Yes. It's probably just like a squirrel thing that's you, happening there. Okay. Have you not seen the photos no, of I've when, seen the the wind photos when the wind blows? Goes, Take yeah. me away. <laughs> In that case, would you wear the toupee? Would you just... Go full toupee. Love stinks. That's the name of the movie. Oh, I thought that was the weirdest response <laughs> to the question I just asked you. Very good. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what? I'll just get started on this story. How about that? That sounds wonderful. And we'll find out random tidbits about Liberace from you because I am one hundred percent convinced that you know a lot about Liberace. I. I really don't think I know any more about Let's Liberace. Let's see. Let's see who's right. Shall we? Okay. <laughs> All right. Here's the deal, gang. A while back, a person named Kristen, spelled with an E, hmm, yeah. wrote in requesting stories about marginalized people being messy. She was like, the stories about discrimination are important, but we're messy bitches, too. Oh. And I said, All right, you messy bitch. Suggest a case. And she suggested that we cover the legal battles of Liberace. I didn't know that Liberace had any legal battles until this moment. Uh, uh, beyond the candelabra. See, you do know shit. <laughs> yeah, that's the name of the movie about him. Yeah, yeah, I've never seen it. Uh, Matt Damon is in it, right? Oh, my God, Brandy. Yes, and Michael <laughs> Douglas plays okay. yeah, Liberace. Liberace. Okay, great. Yeah, see, you know a lot about this stuff. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so long story short, Liberace is complicated. Oh, okay. You know what I say? What? Why'd you have to go and make things so complicated? Complicated. Liberace. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to start with a caveat. Yeah. Liberace had a lot of legal battles in his day, and I'm just covering the hits. Ooh, wonderful. Also, his most famous legal battle took place in London, so I must issue an international case disclaimer wonderful shout outs to a bbc documentary um called i thought you got stuck trying to do the abc 
It's a show called Reputations, and they did a really good episode on Liberace. Also, there's a quite thorough Wikipedia page. Oh, excellent. Thank you to the New York Times. Mm. Here we go. Well, I'm just saying Matt Damon and Michael Douglas have quite the age difference. So Yeah, they sure do. <laughs> they sure fucking do. We gonna talk about that some? Some. <laughs> We're gonna be deeply troubled by okay, it. Great. Ma'am. You're gonna feel all kinds of ways. Okay, great. During this case. Okay. Okay. Well, Lazio Valentino Liberace. He went by Walter. Was born on May 16th. He went by Walter? Yeah. As a kid, he went by Walter. You're already hung up on this? What? How do you derive that from his name? Well, I think you have immigrant parents oh. who want to give you okay. a All name right. that honors their culture, but they don't want to make it harder than it already is to be an immigrant in America. Boy, see? Okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry. You... <laughs> People are asking for stories that that aren't about discrimination. And here you ask a question like that. (laughs) He was born on May 16th, 1919. Brandy, got anything to say? Um, Wow, you're a terrible friend. It's Kyla's birthday. It's the day after Kyla's birthday. Okay, shit. Wow. Okay, okay. Mm. I thought Kyla's birthday was May 15th. But then when you said that, I was like, maybe I remember her birthday wrong. Mm. You know whose birthday it is. My sister-in-law's birthday. Oh, it is? Yes. Oh. Well, it's birthday. <laughs> Sleep that name, Patty. <laughs> God. Anyway. Because their birthdays were a day apart. And they still are. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> he was born in the booming metropolis of West Allis, Wisconsin. Oh, sure. He had an interesting home life. His dad, Salvatore, who went by Sam. Why? No one knows. He went by Sam. How'd he get that? What? What the fuck? (laughs) Was an Italian immigrant who loved music and played the French horn. Oh. And his mom, Frances, okay, once were said she'd been a concert pianist before she married Sam, but no other source said that. I mean, you know, who knows? Maybe they got the ultimate scoopy scoop. Yeah. Both Francis and Sam loved music, and they were fascinated by show business. But they lived pretty far from Hollywood, and money was tight. Like I said, Sam was a French horn player, and he played in bands, but most of the time he worked in factories. But he felt strongly that his children should play an instrument. A family of musicians would be his legacy to the world. So he took the children to concerts. He demanded that they practice their instruments pretty often. And he wanted them to not just play a piece well, but to perform the piece. Mm -hmm. And little Liberace didn't disappoint. By the way, his friends and family called him Lee later in life. Oh, yeah. But, you know, we're just going to call him Liberace. That's perfect. He started playing the piano when he was four years old. And his talent was undeniable. It seems his mom, Frances, didn't exactly share her husband's vision of creating the 1930s version of the Partridge family. She was like, "Mm, these music lessons are super expensive. And fun fact, we're not rich. Yeah. We're not even close to rich. So things were a little tense in the Liberace household. Also, Sam was a big old cheater. So life was complicated for little Liberace. He had incredible talent as a musician, 
But he didn't fit in with the other kids in the neighborhood. In fact, he didn't seem to fit in anywhere. He grew up in the 20s and 30s, and he was different. He had a speech impediment, which kids made fun of, and he was kind of feminine, and kids made fun of that, too. He didn't like sports, and he didn't pretend to. He loved music and fashion and design. He loved to perform. And for the high crime of being unique, he was bullied. Cool. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> but the bullying didn't stop him. As a teenager, he got gigs playing the piano at weddings and on the local radio. He played the piano for the talkies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he even performed in strip clubs. Wow. I know. His parents did not like the idea of their son uh, playing at strip clubs, but once he showed them how much money he was making, they were like, well, all right, good for you. Right. It really seems that rather than try to hide what made him different from other kids, he leaned into it. He dressed lavishly or as lavishly as he could. Right. And he demanded the spotlight. And he became kind of popular at school. And that was good because throughout his life, one of the things that mattered most to Liberace was being well-liked. Hmm. By the time he I was... I don't know anybody like that at all. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what just lives in my head? <laughs> what? That moment, like, it was just a month ago or so. Uh -huh. We were recording the podcast, and yeah. I was in a bad mood, and you were in a good mood. Uh -huh. And you <laughs> asked me... Well, should I change my mood to be a bad mood so that we can be on the same level? Uh -huh. And I was like, holy shit, Brandy. That is nuts. Yeah. 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 Yep. Anything to say, Brandy? No. <laughs> By the time he was 20 years old, he was touring the Midwest. Liberace played the classics, but he always did it with extra flair. And over time, he added more and more showmanship to his performances. He changed his act a bit. He didn't just play the classics. He added in a few pop songs. He called it classical music with the boring parts left out. Oh. He started talking to the audience. He brought people on stage to teach them little lessons and to crack jokes. He didn't bring them on stage to crack jokes. He cracked jokes throughout the performance. Oh, my God, I said that wrong. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he cared about the music, but he also learned to care about lighting and costuming and making a connection. He cared about marketing. He referred to himself as Liberace, the most amazing piano virtuoso of the present day. Ooh. Self-proclaimed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Let's Go to Court podcast, the best podcast of its day. <laughs> Any day, <laughs> if you ask my mom. No, no. See, that's 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 not Liberace energy. You just declare it. Oh, okay. Like bankruptcy. <laughs> he didn't play on boring old pianos. He played on a gold-leafed grand piano. Mm. Some of his pianos were covered in rhinestones. Some were covered in mirrors. Oh, shit. He performed for Clark Gable and Shirley Temple and J. Paul Getty. Mm. He played in Vegas. 
He shocked people in 1954 when he was paid $138,000 to play at Madison Square Garden. Adjusted for inflation? That's about $1.5 million for one performance. Wow. He got his own TV show when TV was still a new thing. And, oh, my God, he was great on TV. Okay, I watched clips from the old show. It, I mean, it really was engaging. Uh-huh. So the higher-ups all told him not to look at the camera. That was the rule. You don't look directly at the camera. You look at the studio audience. But Liberace just ignored that advice. Uh-huh. He knew the bigger audience was at home. So when he performed, he sang directly to the camera. Mm-hmm. He winked at the camera. He flirted. He sang about trying to find the right girl. And it seemed like he was singing right to you. Yeah. Did you feel some tingling? I totally understood why people felt the tingles. <laughs> it, it feels intimate. Yeah, yeah. Because he really is. He's leaning into the camera and he's so charismatic yeah. and he's funny. And it, it is just this like kind of campy performance. Right. Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah. But also this song that I'm referring to. Uh-huh. It's the creepiest fucking song you ever heard. What's the song? Okay, it's like, you know, you're you're going along with it. It's like, okay, he's trying to find the girl of his dreams. Yeah. All right, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. But then there's a line that's something like, I'm trying to find the girl that dear old dad found. So it's like, I'm trying to, you marry, to marry my, marry my mom. mom. And Liberace famously <laughs> loved his mother dearly. <laughs> it's really too much. A little bit of an Oedipus situation. <laughs> Oedipus is how I pronounce it. His TV show became huge. In 1954, the Liberace show was on 179 channels across the United States. So he's like getting fucking rich, right? Oh, like oh. crazy rich. At one point in his career, he was the highest paid performer in the world. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, like, even when he wasn't at that point, he was still making just tons and tons of money. His audience loved him. He was perfect. He was handsome and funny and well-mannered, and he had all these one-liners. He had thick, dark hair and a prominent chin that really worked for him. When yeah, you, you could really go either way with a prominent I know, chin. I know. This was not a Jay Leno situation. Yeah. Same chin, different face, yeah. you know? Yeah. When you watched the show, you felt like you got a sense for who he was. His beloved mother sat in the front row of the audience, and unfortunately he couldn't bang her, but he was looking for the next, you know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just talking about that song. So she was regularly featured in the show. Uh-huh. Um, by that point, Liberace's father had divorced his mom, and Liberace was pissed at his dad. They became estranged. Mm-hmm. So Liberace just kind of took his mom in and made sure she was taken care yeah. of. His brother George played in the orchestra, and he became a bit of a star in his own right. Over time, Liberace became a massive celebrity. He made incredible money. He was on TV. He was on every magazine. Oh, and because Brandy couldn't keep her pants on, I'm going to now tell you that by the late 1950s, he was the highest grossing entertainer in the world. Oh, wow. So hearing that for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) But that didn't mean he was cool. Mm -hmm. Critics never liked him. Uh 
They didn't respect him as a musician, and they certainly didn't respect him as a person. Right. His act was too campy. He was too flashy. He was cheesy. He was this corny Midwestern guy splashily performing for an audience that wasn't sophisticated enough to have better taste. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. But his audience loved him. His audience was mostly women and mostly older women. Yeah. And that was another source of ridicule. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if a bunch of women like something, it definitely sucks and we should make fun of it. Right. (laughs) I fucking hate that. Yes. And, I, you know, it's not even like older women, but like, oh, my gosh, if teenage girls love something. Yeah. We all make fun of it. Yes. (sighs) Boy bands. Yeah. Yes. I was about to say something about how we should all be less judgmental, but then I remembered who I am. (laughs) After his performance. Do you want to have that conversation in a mirror first and then (laughs) have it on the podcast? It's me. (laughs) I'm I'm the the problem. problem. It's It's me. me. (laughs) After his performances, he'd invite everyone on stage to come see his piano and get a hug. His fans got a look inside his life. They saw the home he shared with his family. They saw the pool shaped like a piano. He had multiple incredible homes. What? What is a... Oh, like the top of a grand piano? Okay, so it's picture... Sure, shaped like it, but also there are piano keys painted, obviously. Uh, duh. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I bet you've only been in regular boring pools. <laughs> And he would, like, pretend to play. Yeah, I get, get it. it. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> um, here's my favorite detail. In one of his homes, his bedroom on the ceiling, there was a replica of the Sistine Chapel. Oh, shit. Uh-huh. And so, you know, you got that. Yeah. And you're thinking, that's not enough. Right. So he had his own face added to the painting. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Is that weird? <laughs> no. I have that and. <laughs> My bedroom. <laughs> Liberace's face. Oh, my face! <laughs> Liberace had a gaudy, glitzy lifestyle. He often quoted Mae West. Too much of a good thing can be wonderful. Mm. The dude loved to spend money. He loved to make money. He wore multiple rings on his fingers, mostly so that when people asked him how he played piano with all those rings, he could tell them quite well. <laughs> His costumes were amazing. Like capes, right? Yeah. So the thing he did, especially later in life, he would have these like bright sequin suits. Mm -hmm. Okay. And like the one I'm picturing is bright red. Uh Bright red sequin suit. Yeah. With a matching fur cape with bright red lining underneath. And that was kind of like there'd be all different colors. There'd be exotic feathers. There'd be. Yeah. I mean, they were incredible. He had ruffles, feathers. No pattern was too bold. No pattern was too busy. No color too bold. Mm -hmm. He called himself a one-man Disneyland. And he was. What? It sounds like a gross pickup line. (laughs) How? How? Disneyland has rides, Kristen. Oh. (laughs) Well, but it also has, like, the teacups. (laughs) Which is a ride. 
No one's getting banged on the teacups. I'm not saying that someone's getting banged on the teacups. He says, I'm a one-man Disneyland. Care for a ride? I, I think there are better pickup lines out there. <laughs> I think you're a little rusty. <laughs> he arri- he would arrive on stage in a Rolls Royce. On stage? Yes. Like he'd drive it out? Well, a chauffeur would drive it well, out. Yeah, I didn't think he was driving it. Yeah. But okay. I mean, like, this was yeah. stuff that people weren't doing at yeah, the time. Yeah, absolutely. This is also much later in life because time is a construct. Yeah. So everybody calm down. Yeah. His act included animals and a young Barbara Streisand. Oh, shit. Babs? I hear she's a real... Mm. Did you hear this on your Celebrity Blind podcast? I've got other sources, Brandy. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's not that surprising. No, it's not, (laughs) which is why you should just roll with it and thank me for the delightful insight. Is this this like a new theme of yours? Every episode you're going to ruin a celebrity... Okay, I'm not shocking anyone when I say that Barbara Streisand has a bad personality. Yeah, but the Tom Hanks thing, really. Well, I was wrong about that. (laughs) (laughs) He toured Europe. He met the Pope. He performed for Queen Elizabeth. He was in such an enviable position. But he was scared because he was gay. Mm Mm-hmm. If the public found out about his sexuality, he would very likely lose everything. Right. His audience, the people who loved him, were older. They tended to be conservative. They were Midwestern, which, of course, is code for really I cool. I mean, as, and blind as fucking bats if they didn't know he was gay. Okay, so that's, oh, gosh. That's the hard thing for me about this case. Uh-huh. Is he never... He always denied that he was gay. Uh-huh. And there's a part of me that's like... That's so sad for him. Oh, well, absolutely. Yeah. And there's all there's also a part of me that's like, okay, well, do I even want to talk about it then? Right. Um, But at the same time, it, it it's just undeniable. Yeah. You know, but yeah. I, I don't know. I just feel bad for him. Yeah. But also other things happen and it makes it complicated and messy. Yes. God, here we go. So Liberace couldn't let people know that he was gay. Mm-hmm. But like you just said, a lot of people knew. Yeah. Just like when he was a kid, a lot of people just knew. Yeah. I think this was just him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Some, some stuff you just can't hide. Absolutely. But he didn't want people to know. And his management didn't want people to know. It's like how you are a supermodel. Like, yeah, don't tell anybody about it. But they just look at me and they're like, what are you doing here? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Should I be paying you to look at you right now? I say, yes, you should. You're very lucky. So they did what they could to create a public image of Liberace as a heterosexual. And it, you know, it worked to an extent. Did he have like, did he go like publicly out with women? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Famous women? Yes. Okay. Are you going to tell us about it? Yeah. What do you think? Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) As I was saying. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) My God. (laughs) So... 
it worked kind of to a point, but then he starts getting older. You know, he's in his 30s, yeah. he's pushing 40. And it wasn't like today where people get married maybe later in life or no, not at all. there's this an expectation like, that he gets married like and has kids. This was like fucking weird. Yes. Why wasn't he married? Why was he still a bachelor? Golly gee, why couldn't he find the right gal? <laughs> <laughs> His managers set him up with women who he could pretend to date, Brandy. Oh, wow. Yeah, it seems like sometimes the women knew that they were acting as beards, and in other cases they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, Betty White was actually one of the women who would pose as Liberace's girlfriend. Wow. Yeah, so they were really good friends, and whenever the rumors got kind of out of hand, she would just go on a couple dates with him, and yeah. things would hopefully die down a little bit. Yeah. Liberace's PR. Oh, a good friend. Yeah. Yeah. I believe did Debbie Reynolds do the so there there were a couple famous uh-huh. women in rotation yeah. who would kind of step in. Yeah. Liberace's PR team created stories for the press about him being a ladies man. For example, his PR team sent out an article which ran in a popular women's magazine and this was the headline. Mature women are best. Colon. TV's top pianist reveals what kind of woman he'd marry. Okay. <laughs> Another article they sent out was Liberace gives a few tips on wooing women. Uh-huh. I saw this um TV interview with him where yeah. he, he's being asked like, "Well, what kind of woman would you marry?" and he's like, "Oh, I think Princess Margaret." Uh-huh. And it's funny cuz you can see in his face like, "Yeah, he for sure wants to meet Princess Margaret." Yes. And like Knowing what we know about Princess Margaret, she they probably would have had a fucking great time right, together. Yes. But yeah, he didn't want to marry Princess Margaret. Right. Wait, who's I, Princess Margaret? Oh my God, Brandy, get it. Oh, fuck. I'm happy to share. Okay. Princess Margaret, Queen Elizabeth's younger sister. Yes, okay, okay. She was spicier. Yes. Um, she was... Very pretty, mm-hmm. kind of pushed the envelope. Yeah. She fell in love. She was the wild child. Yeah. She fell in love with this dude. Mm-hmm. Her sister forbid her from marrying him. It was a very sad situation. Yeah. That was the guy she really loved all her life. Ugh. So, watch The Crown. I was going to say, do I need to watch The yes, Crown? Yes, you need to, to okay. watch The Crown. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you know I'm nothing like you, Kristen. I don't get into the royals. Your TV is woefully have neglected. You, have you watched the... Harry and Meghan Netflix? I have not yet, but I plan to. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I'm feeling a feared. Okay. What have you heard about it? Not much. Well, yeah, but you're not into the royals. Exactly. So you, you don't know. You don't know shit. That's right. I don't know shit. Yeah. Okay. In 1953, Liberace got engaged to a woman named Joanne Rio. Joanne was an actress and... um. She was a stand-in for Elizabeth Taylor. She looked a lot like Mm -hmm. her. And she lived right across the street from Liberace. Convenient. Yeah, and she was a lot younger, Mm -hmm. more naive. Mm -hmm. Liberace and Joanne's relationship was huge news. But they never got married. Yeah. So there are a couple different takes on this. Uh I think it's one of those situations where it's probably a combination of two things. Right. One... He never intended to marry her. He just needed it out in the press yeah. that he'd been engaged and, you know, that buys you more time. Yeah. The other theory that actually sounds like it really might have happened is her 
Joanne's dad heard the rumors about Liberace being gay and he went to his daughter and was like, you should not mm-hmm. get married to this guy. Yeah. So hmm. engagement adjourned. Yeah. Also, the that's en- funny because that's what we say at the end of the podcast. It's funny because I'm hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and it's sexy because look at me. <laughs> I bet if you saw me in a romper that had long sleeves and shorts attached, you'd think it looked really hot until you saw a picture of the item of clothing on its own. That's correct. That's exactly what would happen. Brandy, you want to talk about it? I I was nearly bamboozled by an ad today <laughs> where I, I showed it to Kristen. It was this cute little Christmas romper. It was a it was a buffalo plaid situation. And uh, I was like, oh, look at this. Look how cute this is. And Kristen goes, that's not that cute. And then I like swiped the picture over and it showed the clothing item not on a hot woman. And she was right. <laughs> Brandy was totally bamboozled. They had the hottest lady in the ugliest pajamas and Brady was like well that is really fetching. That that is really something. Like no you saw me in that you'd laugh. (laughs) Turns out Joanne and Liberace got into a legal battle later in life but we don't have any goddamn time for that. Oh okay great. Just the hits Brandy. So Liberace and his management tried to keep his sexuality a secret, but there were always rumors. Mm -hmm. Just a swirling. Just a swirling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially in the tabloids. Oh. In the early 50s, a groundbreaking celebrity gossip expose magazine hit newsstands. It was called Confidential Magazine. Oh. And they loved to write about Liberace. One year, Confidential Magazine ran a photo of him on the cover. And under it, in all caps, they wrote, Exclusive! Why Liberace's theme song should be Mad About the Boy. (gasps) Oh, shit. The accompanying article was about Liberace going to a hotel in Dallas and hooking up with a dude. Oh, But, of course, it was the 50s, so it was written in this, like, cutesy kind of style. And here's a line from the article. A referee certainly would have penalized the panting pianist for illegal holds. (laughs) (laughs) So silly. Yes. (laughs) You couldn't just be like, they banged? They banged. Hmm. Well, you got to fill up the space. Two dudes walked into a hotel... They banged. banged. (laughs) Liberace was pissed off about that article. He told the press that he would file a $25 million lawsuit. I was going to say, did he sue him? He did. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a big legal battle with Confidential. um, And it's so big, it's on FamousTrials.com. Oh, wow. Have you heard of this one? No. Okay, I've thought about covering it before. Maybe I should. Um, Liberace did play a role in that trial. But a lot of celebrities did. In this particular case, an article from 1958 said that he ended up suing Confidential for $2 million. Wow. And he settled for forty k, which I'm sure was nothing to sneeze no. at back in the day. But, you know, you say 25 then you go for 2 Right. Settle for 40 Seems like you're a one-man Disney world. 
<laughs> it's a Disneyland. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, they probably didn't have Disney World yet. Yeah. Uh-uh. Mm. But around this same time period, Liberace was fighting a similar legal battle in the UK. And that was because in 1956, Liberace performed in England and women went nuts for him. They throw their panties at him? You know, I don't know. This that seems a seems like not something they were doing much. at the time. But I did see um, some footage of a woman who showed her bra strap. Calm down. Well, that's what it looks like you're about to do. No, I am not about to show you anything. You fucking wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, she had like a a tight sweater, and you know oh. they had those like combs. Yeah, yeah, back torpedo tits. Uh huh. And she had like it looked like she'd really taken some time with it. She hadn't just written Liberace on yeah, her sweater. She she'd stitched like, it, stitched it, or something. And you know, it did look like she'd kind of run out of space a little bit. It's but a little you know, crowded at the end. I mean, who am I to judge? I've never. <laughs> tried to write Liberace on anything. Would you like to write it on your boobs right now and just see how it goes? I could write Liberace so many times on my boobs. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone, that's a subtle way of saying that I have huge hooters. (laughs) (laughs) Any hooters? (laughs) Hey, you don't want a new set. Not right now. Not when I just walked out. My God, I'd be so offended. (laughs) A gossip columnist for the Daily Mirror wrote a really nasty column about Liberace. The columnist was William Connor, but he wrote under the pen name Cassandra. Oh. Here's what Cassandra wrote about Liberace. And I've edited it just a little bit for clarity because there are some references to some old-timey brands that I was like, what What the the fuck fuck is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are now, bye bye, okay. gone. Any hooters? We okay. any hooters? We any hooters? Out of here. I have to report that Mr. Liberace is the summit of sex. Where's your British accent? Oh, I, I can't do a British accent. <laughs> <laughs> Should I try? <laughs> Let me be a snooty British columnist. Oh gosh. Oh no, I can't do a British accent. I hate it so much. I have to report that Mr. Liberace is the summit of sex, masculine, feminine, and neuter, everything that he, she, and it can ever want. I have spoken to sad but kindly men on this newspaper who have met every celebrity arriving from the United States for the past 30 years. They all say that this deadly, Winking, sniggering, snuggling, cronium-plated, scent-impregnated, luminous, quivering, giggling, fruit-flavored, mincing, ice-covered heap of mother love has had the biggest reception and impact on London since Charlie Chaplin arrived at the same station, Waterloo, on September 12, 1921. This appalling man, and I use the word appalling in no other than its true sense of terrifying, has hit this country in a way that is as violent as Churchill receiving the cheers on V.E. Day. He reeks with emetic language that can only make grown men long for a quiet corner, an aspidistra, a handkerchief, and the old heave-ho. Without doubt, He is the biggest sentimental vomit of all time. Boy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Slobbering over his mother, 
winking at his brother, and counting the cash at every second, this superb piece of calculating candy floss has an answer for every situation. Nobody since Amy Simple McPherson has purveyed a bigger, richer, and more varied slag heap of lilac-covered hokum. Nobody anywhere ever made so much money out of high-speed piano playing with, with the ghost of Chopin gibbering at every note. There must be something wrong with us that our teenagers longing for sex and our middle-aged matrons fed up with sex alike should fall for such a sugary mountain of jingling claptrap wrapped in such a preposterous clown. Holy shit! Yep! Whoo! Thoughts? Um, that is, that is deep. <laughs> that is a deep, uh, deep uh, hate. I mean, that hatred for Liberace. What? Well. What? Well, probably in like, I don't know. I would say it probably goes beyond Liberace and just like American bullshit. See, I don't take it that way. You don't? Well, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, Honestly... When I hear, especially men, yeah, go after something. Oh, no, that this is women, a woman. Yeah, <laughs> especially men go after something that women like with mm-hmm. this kind of vitriol. Yeah, I think it's more about how they feel about women. Oh, absolutely, honestly, yeah. But yeah, I'd also say he doesn't like Liberace much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, do you are I don't want to put anything in your head, but are you picking up any innuendo in this? Oh yeah, okay. Yes. What are you picking up? Well, I mean, there's the comments what? about his mother and brother that seem very unsettling. What? You don't like to slobber over your mom? I don't slobber at my mom. I don't <laughs> wink at my brother. So. <laughs> Weird. I guess your family doesn't love each other. <laughs> So it's worth noting that at this time, most newspapers had never even printed the word homosexual. Yeah. So if a columnist wanted to call Liberace gay, they wouldn't just use those words. Yeah. They'd dance around it a bit. Uh Uh-huh. So what in that kind of nods to? There are a couple things. That kind of opening of the summit of sex, masculine, feminine, and neuter, uh-huh. everything that he, she, and it can ever want, mm-hmm. kind of like he's open to everybody. Everything. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then the other one was the use of the word fruit flavor yeah. as a description. So yeah. there's talk about like, okay, in America at that time, fruit was a derogatory term Absolutely. for a gay man. Yeah. I don't know that it was necessarily popular in the UK. And so yeah. there's a discussion about like, okay, well, did this columnist know that? Right. I think likely he did because why would you call someone fruit flavored? That's yeah. not something you would say unless you were. Um, but doesn't. So I think the use of it in the UK is more like profanity. Like they talk about fruity language, which means profanity. So oh, really? Like, yeah. He's almost like vulgar. Is how I took that, oh, is what I took that to mean. I do not know. This is like when I found out that in the UK they say skanky to just mean kind of gross. There's yeah. no sexual yeah. connotation yeah. at all. All right. I didn't know that. Well, I only know that from Ted Lasso. So, Well, that's a very educational when they, program. When, when the crowd chants that he's a wanker, the um, the 
announcers at the game apologize for the crowd's fruity language. Oh, wow. I would have had no (laughs) idea what that meant. Yeah. All right. Well. So I took that more to be like he's vulgar with his showmanship or whatever. That's really interesting. All right. All right. Bottom line, when Liberace read that column, he was incensed. Mm Mm-hmm. He felt that the columnist had implied he was gay. Right. Particularly with that line, the summit of sex, masculine, feminine, and neuter. Mm -hmm. And so Liberace sued the newspaper for libel. He said that the article had damaged his career. And here's a fun fact. At the time, gay sex was illegal in the United Kingdom. Mm -hmm. It's just nuts to me. It is, is. It's wild. This case was a bit of a mess. The trial got delayed and delayed. And Liberace had a lawyer he really liked in America. And for the life of him, he couldn't understand why that dude couldn't represent him in England. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So his American lawyer tried to put him at ease by recommending this ancient, very well-respected barrister named Gilbert Bafus. Bafus? B-E-Y-F-U-S. Bafus. Bafus. It sounds like you're saying Beefus with like a southern accent. <laughs> so he was like, Gilbert is a legend. You'll love him. You're going to love Bafus. You're going <laughs> to be up to your eyeballs in Bafus with no complaints. <laughs> he was like, over in the UK, they call him the Fox. Oh. But... Liberace went over to England and took one look at Gilbert, who was not in great health and was in his mid-70s, and said that Gilbert looked more like a toothless old lion. (laughs) (laughs) So Liberace's like, great, I am totally fucked. Yeah. The trial began in June of 1959, and it was really something. A lot of fans came out to follow the trial. There were ladies everywhere. In fact, one of them was the judge's wife. She loved Liberace, and she was like, I'm not missing this. Or, I'm not missing this, did you? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, (laughs) governor! Hello, Liberace! I'm sorry. That was terrible. (sighs) London kind of says hello with a British accent. Well, that's your fault. You named her London. (laughs) She has no choice. She says, hey, yo. (laughs) Wow. Is she British? Does she watch Peppa Pig? She doesn't watch Peppa Pig. Okay, because for a while, Allie would say certain words. Like she would say tomato. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So some people were on Liberace's side, but the jury was made up of 10 men and two women. And straight dudes tended not to like Liberace. But when the trial began, old Gilbert, a.k.a. the fox... He put his fucking teeth in? (laughs) He sure did. And he was a lion with teeth. Yeah. (laughs) No, it just turned out like he could turn it on when he needed to. And he was pretty theatrical. He had a big, booming voice. And in his opening statement, he said that the columnist who'd written about Liberace was, quote... A literary assassin who dips his pen in vitriol, hired by this sensational newspaper to murder reputations and hand out sensational articles on which its circulation is built. Woo! Yeah. Fuck! Mm-hmm. 
And he said that all with a wig on. That's right. It's so weird. It's so weird to me. When are they going to give that up? I don't know. Probably never? Probably never. They haven't given it up by now. Yeah. I mean, now it's it'd be embarrassing to stop. Yeah. yeah. All right. I did. I read an article about it recently, and I clicked on it, and it was just a – I just got rickrolled. <laughs> Are you serious? No, I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> Why did I believe that? <laughs> the columnist had implied that Liberace was gay, and that had done terrible damage to his professional reputation. Had it? That was the argument. Okay. I mean, I think... Probably. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Because of the time. Yeah. But also, I mean, I don't know if kind of everyone's saying it. How do you... You're playing whack-a-mole at a certain point, right? Yeah. But the newspaper's legal team was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Nowhere in that column does it say that Liberace is gay. Mm Mm-hmm. Gerald Gardner, who was the barrister for the Mirror, tried to say that the whole gay thing was just a red herring. He said that Liberace just had a bee in his bonnet about that issue. Gerald argued that everything in that column that had been a statement of fact was true, and the expressions of opinion were fair comments. So, in short, nothing illegal happened here. Right. It seems that he walked into this trial prepared for a different kind of argument, maybe one about whether Liberace truly did ooze sex appeal in his shows. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of talk about that. Liberace's legal team called character witnesses who were like, he's just a wholesome guy. His performances are not wild and sexual. Right. I didn't get a chub once. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, the biggest moment of this trial was when Liberace took the stand. As part of his testimony, he stated for the record that he was not gay. Here's how that line of questioning went. Barrister. Are you a homosexual? Liberace. No, sir. Barrister. Have you ever indulged in homosexual practices? Liberace. No, sir. Never in my life. I am against the practice because it offends convention and it offends society. Thoughts? I hate it. (laughs) Yeah. It's heartbreaking. It is, because, I mean, he didn't have a choice but to, but to say that. I mean, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's what's so sad about this is he's locking himself in Mm -hmm. on the record. Not to say that you can't ever go back. Of course, yeah. But, but yeah. Yeah, he he couldn't be out. Mm-hmm. And who knows? I mean, maybe he maybe he did have some self hatred, which that is that is so sad. Yeah. He said the article had damaged him professionally. He said, quote, it cost me many years of my professional career by implying that I am a homosexual. It has caused untold agonies and embarrassment and has made me the subject of ridicule. Mm -hmm. He said the article had damaged his mother's health. And the barrister for the Daily Mirror was like, really, dude? Just a couple days after that article was published, the Daily Mirror invited you out on a pub crawl and you went. Mm -hmm. So Mr. Justice Solomon 
that was the judge, was like, you must have been in a very forgiving mood when, after your mother had been taken ill, you accepted the hospitality of the paper. And Liberace said that he went because, in his experience, when people got to know him, they changed their opinions of him. Mm. He said, many times reporters have said, I used to hate him, but now I can't hate him anymore. I have met him and he's a nice guy. So I think that whole thing is so stupid because he that pub crawl had been arranged like before he even arrived in London. Mm -hmm. And I imagine when you're at that level of fame, you have obligations and it's just simply an obligation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you can't really keep track in the moment necessarily of all the nasty things people are saying about you, although I'm I'm sure you could at that level. but. Yeah, I think he was just being a pro. Yeah. Um, Liberace's cross-examination by the Daily Mirror's legal team produced a court scene that I would give my left tit to have witnessed. And I will read it to you now. Please. Okay. They're trying to figure out if this dude is gay, if this article was, you know, yeah, what was truthful, what was just opinion. Right. All right. You ready for this? Yeah. Barrister. Do you use scent or scented lotion? What? (laughs) Everybody knows only homosexuals use scented lotions. Duh. That's how you figure out if someone's gay. (laughs) (laughs) You just got to sniff them. (laughs) Liberace. I use aftershaving lotions and underarm deodorants. Barrister. And are they scented? Yes, they're fucking scented. Yeah. What? No, I use scentless aftershave. What? Liberace. Yes. Barrister. When you come into a room at a press conference, does a noticeable odor come with you? Liberace. I would not say it is an odor. (laughs) I would say it is a scent of good grooming, that I smell clean and fresh. I always smell clean and fresh. I've noticed the scent of the press many times. So, you know, of course, the courtroom bursts into laughter. So Liberace did great on the stand. Yeah. I mean, he's a performer and you're getting questions like that. Are you kidding me? No kidding. Do you use scented lotions? (laughs) (laughs) Admit it. (laughs) Later, the columnist took the stand and denied that he'd meant to imply that Liberace was gay. He said that, quote, the article was my honest opinion of his performance. He said that his first reaction to Liberace's performance was astonishment. And his second reaction was nausea. Oh, get over it. Seriously. He wasn't implying the dude was gay. He was just saying that he really hated the performance. Okay. The editorial director for the paper took the stand and said the same thing. Ultimately, the jury sided with Liberace. He was awarded costs and damages. Damages were set at 8,000 pounds and costs were set at 27,000 pounds. It was the largest settlement of any libel case in British history. But... It didn't stop people from speculating about Liberace's sexuality. Right. And 
he'd now said in court that he wasn't gay. Liberace lived the rest of his life putting on glitzy, over-the-top performances. He did these exhausting shows that he loved where he performed for like two hours and had tiny breaks for costume changes. I would love to have seen one yeah. of his shows. Yeah. He opened a museum to himself. and He opened his own museum? Yeah, so, I mean, he sounds like a bit of a pill, honestly. <laughs> So he sounds like a messy bitch, Kristen. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think he had trouble with the fact that like he was hugely famous. Yeah. And he could sell out all these shows, but he didn't have respect. Mm-hmm. And he worried about what his legacy would be. Yeah. And so kind of toward the end of his life he tried to kind of preserve some sort of legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. He continued to make incredible money. He would fly around stage in his costumes held up by wires. He did a kick line with the Rockettes. Wow. Um, he did like this whole string of shows at Radio City Music Hall that at first people were like, oh, no one's going to see that. But hell yeah, people saw that. Yeah, I'd see that. People who knew him well said that he loved being on stage and that probably deep down he had low self-esteem. Right. What he craved was acceptance. He wanted people to like him. Well. What? Yeah. And he never was able to be himself. Yeah. He never accepted himself. Exactly. He didn't like himself because he wasn't being himself. He probably, I mean, so complicated. Yeah. 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 So even the people who did like him, that is a level of separation from him still because they don't like him for him. Mm-hmm. They like him for this character that he is mm-hmm. in the public. Yeah. Yeah, it's really sad. Mm-hmm. A member of his team told this story that I – God, I go back and forth on it. Okay, so here's the story. Mm-hmm. Liberty, Liberty. <laughs> so his friends called. <laughs> Liberace worked on this show with a crew of about two hundred people, and my understanding is it's not like the Liberace show where he was there all the time. Yeah. It was like this was like a couple times he did this show, and over the course of doing this show, he made sure that he went up to every single person and talked to them and asked them about themselves. And he used this mnemonic system to remember everyone's names and not just their names, but their kids' names, their spouses' names, so that he was able to talk to everyone on on that show and ask them about their families. And, of course, people loved that. That was, like, so much more than you would expect. Yeah. And four years later, he came back to that same studio to do two specials. And the first thing he did was go around the studio address people by name, and ask about their wives and kids. Wow. I've got goosebumps talking yeah. about that. And, you know, of course, people were amazed by that. They loved that. Yeah. And it's funny because, like, his friend tells that story of, like, in terms of, you know, this is how badly he wanted to be liked. Mm-hmm. And that's right. I mean, that is – that's him craving yeah. acceptance. Absolutely. But I think the people of Pleaser in me is like, oh, that's a great idea. Yep. You know what I'm going to do now? 
I'm going to memorize a thousand names. That was my exact reaction, Kristen. I know. That's that's why I was like, oh, this is fucked up. Because I hear it and I'm like, I should try to do that. What a wonderful idea. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So you hate yourself yes. and you try to make other people love you. Great. Tell me how to do that. Let's not talk about the problems behind that. Let's learn some skills related to that. <laughs> That's sad. Oh. oh, boy. Yep. But he always kept his secret. His secret that wasn't truly a secret. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of the wildest thing. So one of his friends was interviewed for a documentary I watched, and I can't remember exactly how she described it, but she was just like, he was the only one who didn't know it was not a secret. The only one who thought it was a secret? Yes. Yeah. 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 Liberace always had lovers, and in 1976, he decided to settle down. With a teenager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this concludes the portion of our story where we really feel for Liberace. And, yeah. I mean, it doesn't, though, because you're going to feel for him. I, yeah. I don't know. This it's very complicated. <laughs> yeah, so in 1976, when Liberace was 50 fucking seven, he met a teenager named Scott Thorson. Is this Matt Damon? Yes, this is Matt Damon. Yeah, okay. <laughs> A.K.A. Scott Thorson. Yeah. Uh, Scott was in the foster care system, so he was very vulnerable. vulnerable. Yeah, yeah I, that's... Oh, boy, we love no. this. Don't we love it? Yeah. Oof. Oof. He'd been working as a dog handler for the film industry when the two met at a party. And Liberace groomed him. Scott was 17, or oh, was he boy. 16? Oh, boy. And Liberace took an immediate liking to him. They started dating. Scott and Liberace were together for about five or six years. They lived together. Liberace gave Scott generous gifts of mink coats and huge diamonds. They traveled the world. They were committed to each other. <sighs> Liberace actually employed Scott. Scott became a dancer in his shows. And when Liberace would arrive on stage in a Rolls Royce, Scott was his chauffeur. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so many things I hate about this. Yeah. Um, one of them being that in these documentaries, when they interview Liberace's friends... So many people are like, oh, Liberace was so good to Scott, just gave him all kinds of great stuff and was so good to him, took care of him. He was an old man. Yeah. Who and groomed. Scott was a child. Yes. You think you can give someone a bunch of fur coats and that makes it okay? Oh, boy. Lord Almighty. Yeah. Yikes. We're not even to the grossest part. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was thinking, I was like, this doesn't sound you know what bad I'm fine enough with it. yet. Yeah. 16 and 57, no big no deal. No big deal. Age ain't nothing but a number. <laughs> <laughs> Scott later said that he was so young and so impressionable and in love that he would have done anything to please Liberace. Mm-hmm. Of course he would. Yeah. He said, quote, 
Liberace had taken me out of a situation with a father who was very abusive, a mother who was mentally ill. I did everything I possibly could to please that man. Mm-hmm. And so when Liberace asked Scott to get a ton of plastic surgery, Scott agreed. Do you know this part? Somehow, yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Liberace wanted Scott to be given surgery to look like a younger version of himself. Mm -hmm. So one version of this said he got a picture. Another said he got an oil painting of himself from when he was younger. Anyway, bottom line is he told the plastic surgeon, I want you to make Scott look like me. Yeah. Create him in my image. Yeah, so I can pretend like I'm fucking my son. I don't... Or myself. Maybe then I'll love myself. Well, I really love that version of it way better. (laughs) So Scott got a chin implant and high cheekbones and a nose job. And Liberace evidently loved it. Mm -hmm. How'd Scott feel about it? You know, again, he was so young. I mean, like, you're talking about, like, major, major surgery when you're, like, 20? Yeah. Um. He later got the chin implant removed because, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I never I, considered a chin implant. What do you think? How big would you want to go? I don't know. Maybe if I had a bigger chin, my face would look less round, right? I mean, yeah. Add a couple feet yeah. and you're going to have a real long That's face. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it interesting to wonder, like, what little, what would little tweaks yeah, do? Yeah, what could here a little there? tweak here and there do? And this is how we end up on botched. <laughs> because exactly we're like, right. I, I don't want to go too crazy. Yeah. But I want to get my money's worth. That's right. <laughs> and suddenly I look very surprised all the time. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, ma'am, good plastic surgery should whisper. It shouldn't scream. <laughs> Have you heard um, that they're saying people should stop getting that, like, cat eye thing? Yeah. I always thought that was the weirdest one. Yeah. My – okay. What I would get is a little – a little tuck right here. Okay. Because I think it does a couple of things. All right. Makes makes the the face look a little less round. Okay. Makes the jaw look a little bit more defined. And it widens the mouth. And I've always liked a wide mouth. Really? Yes. What do you like about a wide mouth? I don't mouth? know. There's something about it that's very appealing to me. You know, every now and then you say things, and I'm like, is this why she was drawn to me? You love a veiny gal? <laughs> I do. I am quite veiny. You are veiny. I've got a pretty wide mouth. Yeah. But you've got a really wide mouth yourself. You can fit your whole fist I in mean, there. I mean, it's not particularly wide. It's just big. Deep. It is deep. Deep and wide. Oh, my God. Shut that thing, would you? Look Like looking into a cave. It is. I'm like the fucking cave of wonders. <laughs> Who dares to disturb my slumber? Wow. That really <laughs> takes me back. Um, do you mind if I turn the fan turn on? Turn it on. Okay, is I'm it like, because It's because I was talking about my mouth, right? It's because Got y'all hot. I'm in a swamp. <laughs> Holy Moses. <laughs> um, no, I accidentally stumbled upon a video of someone getting that threading thing done. Boy, that's something you don't want to watch. No. Have you seen it? Yeah. 
What? Would you do it? No. Okay. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Now, if someone told me there was a way to sculpt some cheekbones oh, for me, I think it. I think I'd fillers probably. in the cheeks. Mm. You wouldn't do fillers because you're worried that they're going to move around, right? They're not going to stay where you want well, them. Well, I think here's my problem. I've seen too many bad plastic surgeries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you see the good stuff, you don't know you're looking at it. So, like, I see some of that pillowy filler oh, face, yeah. and I'm like, well, I've got enough pillowy exactly. stuff going on on my yeah. own. I don't need to pay for more. Yeah, I need something. Snatched. I was going to say something gross. <laughs> it was going to sound what? very gross. I want something hard and sculpted in my face. Yeah. Yeah. It's not gross at all? It sounded gross. Well. It sounded inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> and we have such high standards on this podcast. It is a family show. <laughs> Generations gather around the iPod to listen to this show. Wait, is anybody listening to this on an iPod? Yes. Yes, that is. Those are the ones. <laughs> is that too loud? You I don't know that it's too loud, but it is turned up very yeah, high. It is. Like I'm going to blow out of my seat. That's just from toots. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, that's right. I forgot. You don't toot. No, never. Yeah. Mm-hmm. N- never shall wind escape to this rectum. <laughs> rectum damn near killed him. Okay, moving back to the case. <laughs> and away from Brandy's tight, tight butthole. Super tight. Oh, God. Now I'm getting into the sad stuff. Okay. And we just, All right. you know. Right. Okay, so the deal was with the plastic surgery. Yeah. Um, a couple things happened. They went to this weirdo plastic surgeon who like, hey, here's the deal. You come and get plastic surgery from me. I'm going to hook you up with some cocaine, <gasps> some quaaludes, some oh. all kinds of stuff. Oh, no. So Scott becomes like addicted to. Right. Yeah. To drugs. And he also, I don't know, he wanted to become like Hollywood skinny, yeah. which, uh, you know, that means drugs. Yeah. But also just like eating right. Mm-hmm. And exercise. That's right. That's all. Just calorie deficit. That's all you have to do. That's right. Yeah. That's why I'm 25 pounds. Just, just, yeah, just have to make smart decisions. <laughs> you stupid bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so Scott became addicted to drugs. He says that Liberace was unfaithful to him and things eventually soured in their relationship. Shocking. Yeah, the tough thing about dating teenagers (laughs) is they're so unpredictable. Uh So after roughly five years together, Liberace dumped Scott. He had him physically removed from the home that they shared. Wow. Yeah. Which meant that Scott was also fired. Yeah, I mean, yes, he completely relied on Liberace. Mm Mm-hmm. Great. I bet that worked out really well for Scott. Yeah. So Scott was left with absolutely nothing. Yep. And so he decided to sue. Yeah. And it was groundbreaking. In 1982, Scott sued Liberace for $113 million in palimony. This was the first same-sex palimony case in American history. In his lawsuit, Scott claimed that he had a personal services agreement with Liberace. And that agreement required him to serve as Liberace's chauffeur, companion, and lover. In exchange, he got a salary, 
equity interest in real estate, and promotional profit. Scott claimed that as part of the agreement, he had to stop going to school and give up his other professional ambitions in order to be Liberace's chauffeur and companion. Mm -hmm. This lawsuit was horribly embarrassing for Liberace because Scott was claiming was accurately lover. Yeah, yeah. that they'd had this romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. But remember, Liberace wasn't gay. No. Liberace told the media that Scott was full of shit. He was a drug user, a drug dealer, a, a pathological liar. He was a gold digger. They'd never had sex. They'd never been in a relationship. In an interview, Liberace said, In fact, everything this young man said has been proven to be a horrible lie. And there's a reason for him being a pathological liar and the reason he was fired, because he was heavy into drugs. He not only used cocaine, but he distributed cocaine. And I couldn't have anybody in my company who did that sort of thing. That's fucking terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it's inexcusable. Yeah. And, I mean, he says it so coldly. Mm -hmm. Just writes off this kid. Yeah. Liberace was, of course, deposed for for this lawsuit. And as he always had, he denied that he was gay. He said that he and Scott had never had a romantic relationship. This case got a lot of media attention. And a judge dismissed the palimony claim, but Scott did get something. He got $75,000, three cars, and three dogs. Okay. Interestingly, this kind of helped Liberace's career. Really? Yeah, it got him back in the news. Oh, right. Well, and I, I don't know. By that point, everyone knows he's gay, yeah. right? So... It's not like this was like shock. I mean, maybe, I don't know. People didn't seem shocked by. Are his parents still alive at this point? Um, Oh, gosh. I don't think so. Hmm. I'm just curious if he had like some promise to his mother that he made that he would never let anyone know about, you know. Hmm. I see. Here's the thing. So. For a long time, he lived with his mother and his brother, George. Mm -hmm. And George just flipped out because, you know, when Liberace was in public, he'd be with women. But at the house, it was dudes. It was dudes all the time. And so I, you know, if you were close to him. You knew. You knew. Yeah. And there was. Yeah. You witnessed it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Liberace ended up firing his brother at one point because George just couldn't handle. Well, yeah. Hmm. So this kind of helped his career. It got people talking about him again. He performed at Radio City Music Hall. He was this icon. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he was getting thinner and thinner. He became pale. Liberace was sick. But that was also a secret. When people asked, he claimed that he'd gotten carried away with a watermelon diet, you know, Mm -hmm. just lost too much weight. Yeah. The truth was that he had AIDS. Mm -hmm. But he didn't want anyone to know. He felt that if people knew he had AIDS, that would settle once and for all 
this argument over whether he was gay. His friends have said that he was just really in denial. Yeah. And, oh, gosh. Okay, so on the one hand, <laughs> this is why this story drives me nuts. On the yeah. one hand, it's like, um, yeah, I imagine you would be in denial. So much of who he was was like positive mindset mm-hmm. and um, just belie- he just believed yeah. he would be fine. Yeah, He was also pretty young. He was like in his mid-60s. Yeah. But it has been alleged that during this time, he knowingly infected at least two young men with HIV. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So, see, that's where you lose me. Boy, you, you, yeah. Right? Like, you you get me? Oh, God. Oh. AIDS was still fairly new at the time. Mm-hmm. Rock Hudson had died from it a year earlier and... There was a ton of gross media interest in finding the next celebrity who had it. Mm -hmm. Toward the end of his life, media outlets reported that Liberace had AIDS. And he and his management team issued denials. He never wanted anyone to know. On February 4th, 1987, when he was just 67, Liberace died. His personal physician determined that he had died from cardiac arrest. And he was supposed to be immediately cremated. Mm-hmm. But the coroner for Palm Springs, a guy named Ray Carrillo, demanded that Liberace's body be brought to Palm Springs so that he could find out for certain whether Liberace had died from AIDS. Um, can I hate this so much. Yeah, can they do that? Uh, yeah, evidently. Wow. This was a huge news story. Helicopters flew over the hearse on its way to the autopsy. Oh, my gosh. The coroner's office received more than 2,300 phone calls over the course of two days from people all over the world wanting to know how Liberace died. It was a circus. The coroner said that police had taped around the building and people just crawled under the tape. And on February 10th, 1987, the coroner called a news conference to unveil his findings. That's disgusting. Yeah. It's such an invasion of privacy. Yeah. And for what? Exactly. He said, Mr. Liberace did not die of cardiac arrest and cardiac failure due to encephalopathy and anemia as certified by the physician on the death certificate. Somebody was trying to play fast and loose with the Riverside County Coroner's Office. They probably pulled something they thought they could get away with. In layman's terms, Mr. Liberace died of an opportunistic disease caused by acquired immune deficiency syndrome. So there it was. Liberace had died from complications related to AIDS. Wow. That's something I did not know about Liberace. I didn't. I didn't. Didn't know that he died of AIDS? No. Or, yeah. Uh, see, I just didn't know much about Liberace in general. Mm-hmm. I was disgusted by this stuff yes, with the coroner. It's horrible. A lot of people who are close to Liberace were so angry at that coroner. Yeah. They said that he just wanted his 15 minutes of fame. That's exactly what it seems like. Well, <laughs> 
And when he was interviewed, uh, Ray kind of admitted it, I think. Here's what he said. Mm -hmm. He said, I was uh, all of a sudden forced into the limelight, and it's a matter of ego, I guess. I didn't fear anything. I didn't, uh, and I guess you could say I did enjoy the limelight because it made me world famous. Wow. I mean, yeah, he does admit it. Yeah. You incredible douchebag. Seriously. Boy. That's how you want to be world famous? Okay. Um, here's another thing I hate and I didn't write down. Once it was revealed that Liberace died from AIDS, the Daily Mirror ran a headline asking for a refund. Holy shit. Yep. Yep, real cute, huh? Yeah. Um, I want to end with a quote from one of his biographers. Mm -hmm. I just kind of loved it when he said this. He goes, I don't think he had a big influence on the world of music. I don't see a lot of Liberace CDs in the record stores. But he certainly made it all right to be a screaming queen on stage. He opened the door to give other performers the right to be flamboyant. Yeah. And I think that's so true. When you look at his performances... It's so showy. It's you see the pop stars of today in there. Yeah. God, think of how boring concerts were before Liberace. Yeah. Um, one other thing I didn't mention. So a lot of times and when you read stories about especially like the tabloid stuff he got into, mm-hmm. it's attributed in so many different places in that story that he you know, was asked about, oh, the the negative press. And he said, oh, yeah, I cried all the way to the bank. Oh, yeah. And so, like, he liked that line so much that he used it in, like, every story. So uh-huh. it's impossible to know the first time he really did right. use it. But, yeah, cried all the way to the bank, laughed all the way to the bank. Yeah. That's a Liberace line. I did not know that. And he later said, when he got even more wealthy, he was yeah. like, I don't cry all the way to the bank anymore. I bought the bank. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) And that is the story of that messy bitch Liberace. Wow. I know. Complicated feelings. I just... I gotta say, it's mostly love. Yeah. God, even... No, he went after a fucking kid. Yeah, no, exactly. It's so complicated. This is why I hate... Uh, God damn. It's messy. (laughs) Damn it, Liberace. I know. (laughs) I don't know how to feel. I don't know how to feel either. Boy, oh boy. (laughs) You want to talk about a fire? Sounds like it's going to be really depressing. It is. Okay, great. Uh, okay. But you know what? We'll know exactly how to feel. That's right. It won't be any of that it's, messy Liberace shit. It will not shit. be complicated. You will uh, know exactly how to feel. All right. Great. Shout out to Come Kardashian <laughs> in the Discord for recommending this case. Um, a little bit of side eye at you, though, Come Kardashian, because she recommended this case to you, Kristen, when clearly it is a Brandy case. Um, but she wanted it covered by the Superior Podcast. Okay. How dare you? No. What she actually said was... 
uh, she rec- so she recommended it to you, mm-hmm. but said this does actually seem like more of a brandy case, but you will like a name in the case. So, a name in the a case? name in the case. Yes. Oh well. Okay, it's funny you should mention that because when you called dibs uh-huh. on this person, I was like, what a cute name. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not going to cover a whole awful case just because the guy's name is cute. I'll tell you that right now, come Kardashian. Uh, okay, so most of this comes from two sources. Mm-hmm. An episode of Accident, Suicide, or Murder. Oh my, yes. And an episode of 2020 that I read and did not watch. You big weirdo. <laughs> It was New Year's Day in 1991 in Murphy's, California, and the Carlson family was having kind of a low-key day at home. Murphy's is a small town in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountains and was originally settled during the California gold rush as a mining town. This area in general is pretty secluded, and the Carlson family, which was comprised of husband and wife Carl Carlson. <laughs> that is terrible. It's a is, terrible name. That is the worst. No one should be allowed to do that. I know. What was what were his parents thinking? They were like, this is gonna be so cute. Yeah, okay, and so it's not. His name Carlson is spelled K-R I'm sorry, K-A-R-L-S-E-N. And so they spelled Carl K-A-R-L. Yeah. Carl Carlson. No. Anyway, the Carlson family was comprised of Carl and his wife, Christina Carlson. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And their three young children, a boy and two girls. And they all lived in, like, the most secluded part of town. So it's already a secluded area. And then they live, like, in a more secluded area. Great. So there's, like, no fire department in this town. And <laughs> the neighboring fire department is going to take forever to get to this place. Okay, this is terrible. They rented an old miner's cabin that was, like, barely habitable. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I was about to be like, oh, cool. But, yeah, no. No. no that would uh, be It rough. was heated with kerosene heaters. And then the heated air was circulated through the house by an attic fan. Okay. On this particular January afternoon, the kids had all gone down for naps, and Christina Carlson decided to take a bath. According to Carl, though, she had complained that it was cold in the bathroom. So he'd gone up to the attic to adjust the fan to direct more of the heated air into the bathroom area. After he came down from the attic, Carl went out to the detached garage to grab some tools, presumably for another project he was Mm -hmm. working on. But when he came out of the garage, tools in hand, he was met by a horrible sound. Christina was screaming from inside the house. She was screaming to Carl, and she was screaming to him to get the kids out because the cabin had gone up in flames. Carl immediately sprung into action. He tried to run into the house to get his family out, but the fire was burning out of control. But Carl was quick thinking. He ran around the outside of the house to the window of the two girls' bedroom. He broke out the window and pulled the girls to safety. Thank God. Yeah. Then he ran around to his son's room and again broke out the window. This time, though, when he broke the window, a ball of flames hit him in the face. Um, It, like, burned his eyes closed for a moment. But he reached in through the broken window and found his son, Levi, and pulled him out by his hair. That is incredible. Yeah. 
Remind me again of the kids' ages. Uh, they're young. They're yeah, all okay. like six or under. Oh, my God. This yes. is a nightmare. Yes. The window to the bathroom, though, where Christina had been bathing was boarded up. It had been for weeks. It had broken and the Carlsons had been unable to afford to replace it. So mm-hmm. Carl had nailed a piece of plywood over the opening from the inside. Okay. Christina was trapped. Carl could not get to her. At this point, Carl loaded the kids into his car and told them that they needed to drive to a neighbor's house to call 911. Mm-hmm. And as they drove, he told the kids, Mommy's in heaven now. Wow. It was 2.26 p.m. when fire crews arrived at the Carlson home in response to a residential fire call. Carl Carlson told the firefighters that he'd been able to get the kids out. He walked them through what had happened, talked about how he'd taken that flame to the face. But all in all, the kids and Carl, they were uninjured. They had no injuries? No. But he hadn't been able to get to his wife, Christina. She had been trapped inside. Fire crews went to work exhausting the blaze. I'm sorry. Fire crews went to work extinguishing the blaze, and within an hour, the fire was out. And the blaze was like, all right. I just, <laughs> I'm exhausted. I've, I've been working too much. I've not done any self-care in God knows how, how long. long. I just need to lie down. <laughs> Enough. Kristen. (laughs) Okay. First responders found Christina's body in the bathroom of the rundown house. It was terrible. She was laying in the bathtub. Carl told the first responders who were on scene that he thinks he knew how the fire had started. When he'd gone up to work in the attic to to reposition that attic fan, mm-hmm. he'd brought a utility light up with him. Mm-hmm. And when he'd come down, he'd just kind of absentmindedly set that light on a table outside of the bathroom. He feared that while he was outside in the garage getting the tools, that that utility light must have fallen off of that table and lit the carpet on fire outside of the bathroom door. Hmm. But, okay. What? Would that really happen? Well, so at this point, the the f- first responders on scene, the firefighters, police officers who had mm-hmm. responded, all noted a really heavy smell of kerosene at the scene. And Carl was like, well, there's a couple reasons for that. Number one, the house is heated with kerosene. Yeah. And number two, just a few days ago, Christina spilled a bunch of kerosene on the floor, on the carpet, right outside the bathroom door. Oh, no. And so they were like, uh, okay, tell us tell us more 
about that because oh, it was very God. clear already that that's where the fire had started right, right outside the bathroom door right and so they're like okay tell us more and so at that point carl told them that this house was in horrible disrepair it should not have been rentable the owners were not taking care of it and they as the carlsons couldn't afford to do mm-hmm. the repairs that it needed and so like they were having to bring how much in... life insurance did he have on his wife oh uh what Life insurance. Yeah. Huh. I don't I don't know about what I knew about I think you do know about that. <laughs> Maybe just like two hundred thousand dollars in life insurance. Oh, but, yeah, uh, okay. Anyway. Um so here's what happened. They also didn't have hot water in the house, so they were having to bring buckets of hot water in when they were bathing. And so one day Christina went to bring water in and oops, she accidentally grabbed a bucket of kerosene instead of what? a bucket of water and it spilled all over the floors. No, how and would that happen? That is so, so ridiculous. The smell, they just could not get rid of it. How would you accidentally and get so, kerosene when you wanted water? And so what Carl feared uh-huh. was that that utility light, when it fell, it fell directly onto that carpet and the filament and it broke. The bulb obviously shattered. Filament broke and caused a spark, uh-huh. which then ignited the carpet where that kerosene had just soaked in. Okay. So perfect explanation. Not really. Makes sense, Kristen. No. (laughs) I've heard a Brandy story a time or two. I know that this man killed his wife. Yeah, so, um... The people on scene were like, that sounds fucking weird. Yeah. Um, There was recently kerosene poured on the floor of this house and then like uh, a utility light falls and just happens to start a fire right side right outside the bathroom Mm -hmm. door of a woman who is now trapped inside that bathroom and just happened to have only way to exit is mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's right but, you know, Carl had an explanation. He had an answer to every question. And so they were like, maybe this really is a horrible tragedy. No, they didn't think that. They did. For real? For real. Initially, they were like, all right, we've got to look into this further. This seems very sketch. But then they did an autopsy and... Christina had died from smoke inhalation. There was no sign that she had been injured or incapacitated in any way before the fire. Well, yeah, there are multiple ways to kill someone in a fire, and one is to trap them in a room. Hmm. Well, come on. So her cause of death was determined to be smoke inhalation. But the coroner left the manner of death as undecided. He did not declare it an accident or a homicide. If you think Carl's responses to and explanation to the fire are odd, Mm -hmm. then just wait till you hear what he did the day after the fire. He let. Christina's family know that he was taking the kids and he was moving back to his hometown in 
upstate New York. He didn't stay for a funeral. Oh. He made no burial arrangements for Christina. He left that all in the hands of her family. Oh, my God. And he loaded up the kids and moved across the country. Okay. It's funny because initially when you said that, I was like, well, I can see moving after something like this. But no, you would. Yeah, I could see moving. You have no place to live now. Yeah. Like, I get that. And maybe he's got family in New right. York, so yeah, that makes sense. But yes, no, but you, to not attend a fu- the funeral of your wife and attend? your children, no, to not plan it, to yeah. not do the thing, yeah. yeah, yeah, just took the kids and left. Mm-hmm. Christina's family was suspicious as fuck. I bet they were. And they were convinced that this was no accident. They decided to collect their own evidence. So they went to the scene of the fire. They thought Christina's death had not been an accident. They thought that this fire had been intentionally set. So they went to the house with a camcorder and they recorded footage of the rubble that remained after the blaze. And they noted on this recording where it looked like there were fingernail marks In the plywood. Oh, God. Where it looked as if in her final moments, Christina had tried to escape that bathroom. But the plywood was affixed to the wall with, like, way more nails than would ever be necessary. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. They thought that was... Super suspicious. Right. Because why would you why? use a ton of nails for yeah. that? Yeah. They also questioned why Carl hadn't tried to break through the plywood from the outside. Exactly. He had managed to break the windows to the kids' bedrooms and pulled them to safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he hadn't even attempted to gain access to the bathroom. But... Carl had offered an explanation for this as well, just as he had for everything else. He said that he thought the window opening was simply too small for an adult to be able to exit through. And so he thought Christina had no chance of making it out that window anyway. So I saw this footage. Okay. It is. I mean, bathroom windows are smaller than standard windows. Right. It doesn't look that small. Yeah, I... I can't imagine. Now, here's the thing. Like, first of all, I can't imagine you've got three young traumatized mm-hmm. kids. You've, of course, have to keep them away from the yeah. fire somehow. You've yeah. got to do all that. Um, and so maybe you do have to make a decision about mm-hmm. your next move. And maybe yeah. it's a little cold. But... At the same time, I really can't imagine not at least trying. Right. And he admitted he had not even attempted. Yeah. Because he he just thought there's no way she can make it out of that window anyway. Not with all those nails I put in it. Right. They also thought Carl's story about the fireball where his eyes were burned shut. Mm-hmm. And they thought it was bullshit because he he was not injured in any way. He was like straight up went to the family and was like, look how badly burned I am. And they mm-hmm. were like, you're not. You're not your eyebrows. At all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
He still had his eyebrows? Yes. Oh, well, no. The fireball did not get anywhere near you, dude. Yeah. So Christina's family took this video that they made and all of their concerns to the police. They asked them to do a formal criminal investigation into this fire and into Carl. Mm -hmm. They pointed out Carl's odd behavior, you know, leaving town without planning a funeral, telling the kids their mom was dead before the fire crews had even arrived at the house, before they'd even called 911. Yeah. And then there was his weird response when Arlene, Christina's mom, had said that she wanted to see her daughter's body. Carl had said, oh, you don't want to do that. She's a crispy critter now. (gasps) Oh, my God. Mm Mm-hmm. What a fucked up thing to say. Seriously. The in, the investigators or the police that had been on the scene that day, they had noted a few things in the fire investigation themselves that they thought was odd. The kerosene was odd, like the mm-hmm. super strong smell of kerosene. His story about the utility light, when they found the utility light, it wasn't broken, which means... That the filament had never, the filament was intact, which means it had never sparked. Well, Brandy, it was just a theory, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. He's no expert. Right. He's just the guy who set the fire. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they did think things were a bit suspicious, just as Christina's family did. And when investigators talked to to like I don't know the chief in the area they asked you know let's fly out to New York at least let's re-interview Carl Carlson and see where we go where it can, where we can take this investigation right. they were told that there simply weren't funds to do that really mm-hmm. and so despite Christina's family's best efforts on March 3rd 1991 Christina's death was officially ruled an accident, and the case was closed. Because they couldn't afford plane tickets to New York? Yep. They couldn't even make a phone call be like, hey, New York, love you. Could you ask a dude a couple questions for us? Apparently not. Well, isn't he brilliant? Mm Mm-hmm. All you have to do is... Yeah drive across the country and that's yeah you might as well have gone halfway across the world yep okay yeah so with christina's death officially ruled an accident carl was able to file a claim for her life insurance and he received a payout from state farm for approximately two hundred and fifteen thousand dollars He used that money to purchase a portion of his family's farm in upstate New York, and he settled into life there with the kids. About a year later, he met a woman named Cindy Best, and they really— Run, girl. What? I said run, girl. Right. And they really hit it off, and they married, and for the next decade and a half or so— Carl Carlson and his wife, Cindy, and the kids lived a fairly normal, quiet life in upstate New York. Wow. 
the children were obviously not without their issues from losing their mom in such a traumatic way at such a young age. Carl and Levi, he's his son. Yeah. um, Butted heads a lot. So much so that Levi moved out by the age of 16. He got married at 18. Oh, wow. And quickly had a family of his own. He had he and his wife had two daughters really close together. Mm-hmm. But marriage and parenthood at such a young age is really hard. And it wasn't long before Levi and his wife had separated. But Levi was a dedicated father and worked hard to give his young daughters a good life. Mm -hmm. But on November 20th, 2008, 17 years after Christina Carlson died in that fire, tragedy struck the Carlson family again. Oh, no. That afternoon, Cindy Best called 911. She relayed to the dispatcher that their, her stepson had been working on the family truck and that it had fallen off the jack and that Levi, who was now 23, had been pinned beneath it. She said, I think he's dead. He's not breathing. Oh, my God. Police arrived to the scene and they found that Cindy was correct. He had been crushed by a 5,000-pound vehicle when it fell on his chest. But it also appeared to them that he'd been dead for hours by the time they arrived. Mm -hmm. But Carl Carlson had an explanation for it. I'd love to hear it. He said that he had asked Levi to come over and do some work on the truck. He jacked up the front end of it, put it on some jack stands. He had noticed that the jack stands were a little wobbly. And then Levi had gone to work on the truck, and Carl and Cindy had left to go to Cindy's aunt's funeral. Mm -hmm. And when they'd returned, they'd found that the truck had fallen off the wobbly jack stands And had crushed Levi. Did he have life insurance on his son? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe like $700,000 in life insurance on his son. Yeah, no. Mm -hmm. Um. A family doctor was willing to come to the scene and sign off on the death as accidental, and so no autopsy was done. And then fucking Carl moved to Vermont, and the police were like, oh, so far away. No, literally no investigation was done. It was just a tragic accident. He had 700,000. Maybe nobody knows about the life insurance yet, Kristen. Well, they're about to find out, right? <laughs> so, Who has that on their adult kid? Well, we will get there, Kristen. All right. You know what I think? I think just automatic arrest. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who has big no, life insurance. Everybody calls. felt terrible for Carl. It was another tragedy. Everybody but Christina's family. Yeah, everyone but the people who know him really, really well. Mm -hmm. 
Um, when Christina's mother, Arlene, got the call that Levi had died in this accident, Ugh. she said, this was not an accident. No. It has happened again. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. You lose your child and then you lose your grandchild. Yep. Yeah. A couple of years went by. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Um. So Levi's sisters both kind of like confronted their dad at some point in there about like, oh, my God, what? What happened? How how right. did this happen? How could this have happened? And he was adamant that it was just an accident. And they asked him about life insurance. Had they had Levi had life insurance? Mm -hmm. And he had told them that um, he'd had a, a small life insurance policy, mm -hmm. just enough to cover his burial. Yeah, yeah, seven hundred grand should do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Christina's family spent the next couple years really questioning Levi's death, questioning Christina's death. But no one had ever listened to their suspicions about about Christina. And so they didn't really even bother to say anything to the police at the time of Levi's death because they're like, nobody's going to nobody's mm. going to listen to us. So, like I said, uh, a few years went by, uh, like four years went by. But by 2012, Carl and Cindy's marriage was like falling apart. Things were not going well. And Cindy said she started to have some pretty serious suspicions that Levi's death was not an accident. Mm. She really believed that Carl may have been involved in Levi's death, yeah. which made her wonder if he was also involved in his first wife's death. Ooh, that's some scary shit. Yeah. So she began to wonder, like, should I be worried for my safety? Could Yes. Could I be the next victim? Absolutely. You're the most logical next victim. Absolutely. Get out. Absolutely. Her concerns just grew and grew and grew to the point that she finally hired a private investigator to look into her husband. Wow. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it was then that she learned the full extent of the life insurance money that he had received for Levi's death. He had received $700,000 in life insurance payouts because Levi had died in an accident. Mm. She also learned through this private investigator that Carl had a million-dollar life insurance <gasps> policy no, 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 no. on her. No, 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 no. The private investigator came to her with this information and was like, you need to leave. Yeah. You are not safe. <sighs> Can you imagine? No. Nope, 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 nope. And I guarantee you I'd be doing something stupid like, well, I've got to leave. But first, I got to pack a bag. First, I got to get my makeup. Uh -huh. First, I got to blah, blah, blah. And then mm -hmm. I die, you know. Right. Yeah. But never more than five feet from my eyeliner. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So she finds out he's got a million dollar life insurance policy on her. 
At some How long had he had that? Do you know? I don't know. Okay. But what she found out is that the policies that had been paid out on Christina and Levi, mm-hmm. those had both been purchased two to three weeks before their deaths. Okay, no. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. How does anyone get away with that? Right? Yeah. At some point when she became suspicious of Carl, mm-hmm. she looked into the policy that he had purchased for Levi. And at that time, Carl had been listed as the beneficiary, mm-hmm. but it was like written in the footnotes that that money was then to go to Levi's children in the event of his death. And then Carl had been like, well, you know, it's I am to dole it out to them as needed when they need braces and glasses and mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. But he had been spending a lot of that of money. Of course he had. Yes. And then she learned that there were also life insurance policies on Levi's two daughters. And when she learned that, she actually was able to cash out those policies, cancel them, get a premium refund. Yes. Yes. So that that was not. Well, you got to tell Levi. Well, Levi was dead by that. Oh, I'm sorry. You've got to tell Carl. Uh, Yeah. Yes. And I I don't know the specifics of that. If Carl knew she'd canceled the policies, he had, I mean, she would have to tell him because otherwise you're not doing any good by canceling them. Yeah. I'm really interested to know how that conversation went. Yeah. It's like, I guess you can't have that conversation necessarily without revealing what you know. Right. So... Basically, you're just ensuring that if he does kill them, that he doesn't profit Mm -hmm. from it. Yeah. So when she finds out that he's got a million dollar policy, it's even a little over a million, like Mm -hmm. 1.2 million Mm -hmm. if she died in an accident. Which she would. Exactly. So she calls her cousin and she's like, I don't know what to do. I've just found all of this out. Mm -hmm. I don't – I think I – You know, with all of this information, I'm convinced now that Carl killed Levi. I I think he probably killed Christina. I'm so scared. I don't know what to do. I I can't go to the police. I don't have any actual evidence. Mm -hmm. What do I do? You do have enough. That's what Cindy's cousin thought. Yeah. And so Cindy's cousin was like, fuck that. I'm calling the police. Yeah. And so Jackie Hamel, which is Cindy's cousin, was like, no, we cannot fuck around with this. You are next. Yeah. You are next. So she called the Seneca County Sheriff's Office and asked to speak to the detectives who had investigated Levi's death. And she was put in contact with some investigators there, but they were like, who, what, what case are you wanting to look into? And she was like, um, I want to look into Levi Carlson's death, who investigated his death. Mm-hmm. And they like she's talking to an investigator and they're like pulling it up and they're like, OK, well, there was no investigation into that death because it was ruled an accident. Mm-hmm. And she said in response to that, um, there's a good chance he was murdered by his father. And they were like, oh, what what makes you say that? And so she tells them the things that Cindy has told her in the conversations they've been having. She talks about how Carl had made 
$215,000 off of his first wife, Christina's death. And that Christina's children, like that money was to go to, you know, to support them. They had never, you know, seen any of that money as they Mm -hmm. were adults. Like it was supposed to be like basically like put into a trust and they were supposed to get the life insurance. Yeah, yeah, no. It had never happened. Mm -hmm. They'd never seen any of it. And then she relayed to these investigators that Carl had um, also taken this very large life insurance policy out on Levi. And both of those policies had been taken out just weeks before Christina and Levi had died. The story behind the life insurance with Levi was that, okay, Levi and Carl had always had this really tough relationship. Obviously, he'd moved out when he was 16. Like, yeah, yeah. But by this point, he was 23 years old. He was, like, trying to make amends with his dad. He wanted his dad in his life and, like, basically help him mold into how it would be a, the best dad for his girls and whatever. And part of that relationship, Carl had brought up that he really needed to make sure that his daughters were taken care of. And he's like... Let me set you up with this insurance guy. I'll go there with you to the meeting. We'll get it taken care of just in case anything happens. Mm -hmm. And so Carl takes Levi to meet with this life insurance guy. And they set up this policy together. And Carl pays the initial installment, like the initial premium in cash that day. Mm -hmm. And then before any other premium was due, Levi was dead. I'm really surprised that the insurance companies didn't catch this. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Because how often does this kind of thing happen that someone gets a policy like two weeks before they die? Yeah. Yeah. So this information about these two policies that were taken out very shortly but. For the deaths and these very kind of freak accidents was enough mm-hmm. to raise the interest of and the suspicions of these investigators oh, at the Seneca wow. County Sheriff's Great. Department. Mm. And so they called Cindy Carlson on April 9th, 2012. So by this point, Cindy had moved the fuck out. She'd taken that private investigator's advice and she'd gotten the fuck out of there. Um, and she was estranged from Carl at this point. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And she agreed to cooperate in an investigation on Carl Carlson. So she came in several times over the next few months and had multiple sit downs with the police, giving them any information that she could have or that she might have, you know, Mm -hmm. stuff that she might not even know is pertinent. Yeah. And this picture of Carl Carlson comes forward that he's this super controlling guy. He's emotionally abusive. He's a narcissist. Like the stuff that she has dealt with in this marriage is just terrible. And she goes into his relationship with Levi, all of how they butted heads forever. And then finally, you know, they were trying to kind of mend that relationship, which had led to him taking out this life insurance policy and Carl footing the bill for it as Mm -hmm. a goodwill gesture. Yeah. Yeah. Cindy said she didn't know anything about the policy until after Levi died. And that Carl, once he got that payout, he'd lost most of the money on a get-rich-quick scheme. What was the scheme? I don't know. Damn it. I wish I did. Yeah. So at some point, 
while all of this is going on, Cindy's having these meetings with the police, doing these doing these interviews with them, giving them whatever information she knows. Mm-hmm. At some point, Carl calls Cindy and is like, I want you back, please. We can fix this. Come home. And Cindy sees this as an opportunity to help the investigation. Yeah. Get him talking. You know, she questions him about Levi's death. And according to Cindy... Carl admits to her that he killed Levi. Did she record it? Did it? No. So in a conversation, Carl says that he jacked the truck up. He knew those jacks were super wobbly. He let Levi get under the truck and then he kicked the jack out and then left to go to the funeral with Cindy, knowing that when they came back, Cindy could find Levi dead. Oh. And that it would just look like an accident. So Cindy goes to the police and she's like, he fucking admitted it. He told me everything. Mm-hmm. This is what he said. And they're like, OK, all right. All right. Would you be willing to wear a wire? And she's like, yes, I'll do it. And so they they get her to wear a wire. They have her invite Carl to lunch out at this restaurant Mm -hmm. and they sit there and she tries to get him talking. She's asking him questions about it. And this time his story is different. Mm-hmm. He seems suspicious of her first. Well, sure. He's like, I feel like this is a booby trap. That's mm-hmm. what he says, which that's stupid. But <laughs> and she goes, what do you mean? And he's like, a booby trap is. <laughs> and she's, he says, I, I feel like I'm being set up. Yeah. And she's like, no. She's like, no. If if you if you really want us to work on this relationship, like I need to know everything. So you've got it. You've just got to talk to me. And talk really loudly and clearly. Right. Just right. Kind of into my shirt a uh-huh. little bit. Uh huh. And so this time he says that he jacked the truck up. Levi was under it, and without thinking it, he opened the door to the truck to get something out of it, and the truck fell off the jacks at that time. And Mm -hmm. instead of reacting in the moment and trying to save Levi, he decided to capitalize on an opportunity. Yep. And so he just went to the funeral and allowed Cindy to find Levi when they came back. So what would she say to that? She said, that's not what you told me before. Right. And he said, well, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And so so she, you know, finishes this conversation, whatever. She gets the fuck out of there. And the police go over what the recording says. And she's like, this isn't what he told me the first time. And they're like, honestly, like, we don't believe it either. But it doesn't matter. Yeah, because he admitted. Uh-huh. For uh-huh. legal purposes, under New York state law, what he did is called depraved indifference, mm. which is murder in the second degree. Yeah. And so they're like, we've got enough. Yeah. And so Carl Carlson was arrested and charged with second degree murder and insurance fraud. 
So initially, he pled not guilty, and actually a trial started. And then somewhere in the course of this trial, he withdrew his not guilty plea and took a plea deal. Oh, wow. For second degree murder. And in exchange for the plea deal, they dropped the insurance fraud charge. Mm -hmm. And he was sentenced to 15 years to life in prison. Wow. Mm -hmm. So now they have him for murder in New York. And so... Christina's family goes to the California authorities and are like, look, look what he did. Yeah. Please, please, please look back into Christina's death. At some point, Carl's daughters came and visited him while he was in jail, either awaiting sentencing or right after he'd been sentenced. And they're like... I mean, now we know. Now we know you killed our mom. Yeah. And they said he smiled at them like the Cheshire cat and said, I've gotten away with it for 20 years. They're not going to get me now. Really? Yeah. To his daughters. So. He's pled guilty to Levi's mm-hmm. death. The family's now like, please, Calaveras County, please look back into this. This was not an accident. You know it wasn't an accident. Even at the time, you knew it wasn't an accident. Mm-hmm. And so the current investigators go to look back at that original investigation. Everything's been destroyed because it was determined to be an accidental death. Right. But by a some stroke of luck some investigator who had been involved in that original investigation had never forgotten about that case had really thought something was up and so when all those files were going to be destroyed <gasps> he made copies of them he put them in a box and he stored it in his basement no for years way yes and so they bring out he brings out the box and the current investigators are able to go through the entire Shut initial investigation. Up. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So when they're looking back through these records from the initial investigation, they determined that at that time, the fire investigators had thought there was no way Carl's story made sense. No way that the kerosene had that had caught on fire outside of the bathroom was days or weeks old, as he had told them. Yeah. They said the way it had puddled on the floor showed proof that it had been poured just moments before the fire was lit. It was too pooled Mm -hmm. to be something that had like soaked in over an extended amount of time. And so in December of 2012, the Calaveras County District Attorney's Office reopened the official investigation into Christina's death. And they spent a couple years building a case. And then in 2014, They charged Carl Carlson with first degree murder of his wife, Christina. And at this point, he was already serving his his time in New York Mm -hmm. prison for Levi's death. And so they extradited him to California to stand trial. Hell yeah. This actually took years for this to go to trial. Even like obviously years have already passed. His trial 
didn't start until January of 2020. Holy shit. Yes. It just kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. And so finally in January well, of... Tw- hurry up and get it done before COVID. Right, exactly. So in January of 2020, Carl Carlson finally went on trial for the murder of Christina Carlson. They had a lot of um, help from New York state authorities who had mm-hmm. pieced together kind of this history of life insurance payouts. Yeah. And during... Her opening statement, District Attorney Barbara Yuk described Christina as this devoted mother of her three children. And she said that her death was intentionally planned by Carl Carlson to pay out the life insurance he had taken out on her just weeks before her death. Yeah. She said that on the day of Christina's death, everything seemed totally normal to her. She had planned to go shopping that day after she was done taking her bath and she never got a chance to. She laid out that in court that these were not the only two instances where Carl had received insurance payouts. There was a car fire in 1986 oh where he'd collected a $10,000 life in, or I'm sorry, a $10,000 <laughs> yeah, insurance payout, not life insurance on the car. It's just car insurance. Cars are people too, Brandy. <laughs> That's right. And then in 2002, he'd received a $115,000 payout from a barn fire where two of his horses died. So the structure was insured. The horses were insured. Yeah. Yeah. Between those payouts and Christina's payout and Levi's payout, Carl Carlson had collected over a million dollars in insurance payouts over 22 years. And what does the average person collect? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. They also learned about at this time, um, the prosecution told the court about those policies that Carl had taken out on Levi's daughters. And then, yeah. And then there was testimony given in court by Cindy Best, who said she had cashed out those policies to ensure that it wasn't hanging over the heads of her granddaughters as this potential motivating factor to kill them. Good grief. Yeah. She said, I was very concerned that an accident was going to happen to one of them. I was scared to death. I imagine so. Yeah. Carl's daughters testified against him. They testified for the prosecution and they talked about that moment. They talked about a couple different moments in their lives. One where they had confronted Carl as teenagers about this was before Levi's death. The Mm -hmm. the three kids together had confronted Carl about their mother's death and said, did you have something to do with it? Right. Told them no. And then they testified about the moment after Levi's death and after he'd been after he'd pled guilty to Levi's murder when they said. Did you kill our mother? And he did that Cheshire cat smile and said, I've gotten away with it this long. They're not going to get me now. Mm. The trial lasted for 13 days. I mean, the defense's case was basically it was an accident. It was ruled an accident originally. You got it right the first time. The jury deliberated for about eight hours and Carl was found guilty of Christina's murder. The jury returned their verdict on February 3rd, 2020, which would have been Levi's 35th birthday. Wow. 
Mm-hmm. Carl Carlson was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. So he um, will actually have to complete his sentence in New York first, and then he will be returned to California to then yeah. live out the rest Unless of his days. Unless it's too expensive. Right. In it is case, pretty he'll pricey. Be, he'll, he'll just be, be let go. Let go. <laughs> that's right. And that's the story of a fire. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Christina's mother says, like, Levi's death obviously never should have happened. Yes. He should have been stopped after he murdered Christina. Yeah, there's a reason why you have to investigate this shit. Yeah. And thank God Cindy hired that private investigator. No kidding. No kidding. Oof. Yeah. Makes you wonder what else he got away with. Absolutely it does. Whoo, that was that was too much. Yeah. I told you it was not it wasn't a wasn't fun when it was bad. Yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> it's <was> pretty bad. <laughs> Should we take some questions from our Discord? I believe we shall. How do you get in the Discord? I've been trying and trying. (laughs) (laughs) You sign up for our Patreon at the $5 level or higher. Oh, I haven't paid $5. Is that why I can't get it? You gotta pay the toll. Because a toll is a toll and a roll is a roll. And if you don't pay no tolls, then we don't eat no rolls. Made that up myself. (laughs) I don't care what anybody says. I find us hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good because some people say we're really not. (laughs) Ooh, I love this. Okay. Festive Lazy Lesbian says, predict the future. How was your Christmas? Oh, God. This makes me nervous because you know what it makes me think of? When we predicted that 2020 was going to be our best year yet. And then COVID happened. So many bad things happened. Okay, my prediction, though, is that our Christmas is going to be wonderful because London is at the perfect age. Like, she's so excited about everything. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't wait to watch her open presents and, like, oh, it's just going to be so exciting. I am making no predictions because I'm terrified of making predictions. Okay, wonderful. Okay, I just asked a question from Festive Lazy Lesbian, but I've got another. Brandy, have you ever played Wits and Wagers? It's a trivia betting game, and my family and I are now obsessed with it. You bet your ass I have. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I wasn't expecting. uh... Love that game. Okay. What's so great about it? Well, you bet on if you're going to know the answers or not. It's wonderful. I mean, I could just bet that I don't know them, and then, you know, if I do know them, I just win anything by. I can't explain the game to you, Kristen. (laughs) You can't? No. I bet you you could. I could, but I don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Braless Brandy wants to know, how do you think the two of you have grown or changed since starting the podcast? Oh, my gosh. A ton. Yeah. So much. We were literally just talking. In a couple months, we will have been doing this for five years. That's wild. I know. I mean, my entire life has changed since. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, you've done a big old switcheroo. Yes. My God. Yeah. How wild is that? That all of the all of our listeners have been along for that ride with us. Yeah. It it really is. I mean, when you think about when we started this, we had 
no expectations. Yeah. Um, and for a long time, nothing happened with it. Yeah. I mean, to me, I think the craziest thing has been just... It's that thing we talk about sometimes about, like, no one asked for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, no one... Literally no one asked for this. <laughs> I And I think... That's kind of what I love about these mediums where there aren't gatekeepers mm-hmm. is who would have guessed that yeah. we would have this now? Yep. It's incredible. Like, yeah, we get to do what we love. Yes. And we, I mean, we get to, we have an excuse to hang out with each I other know. every week. That's the best fucking part of it. Yes. Having an excuse. <laughs> no, I think as adults, <laughs> yeah. you don't make time yeah. to get together with your friends. Yeah. Yeah, every week we are forced to hang out together, Kristen. And it's terrible. <laughs> no, it's really been such a, I don't want to sound cheesy, but it's been such a life blessing. It has. It absolutely has. It's all because of you. Oh. <sighs> Go ahead and tell me your top three favorite things about me. I mean, this was your idea. Damn right. Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you said yes. <laughs> what what an amazing journey we've been on. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah. I still can't believe that we get to do I this. Know. And like, I know. Yeah. If that shocking. people listen to our bullshit. Yeah. It's amazing. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for listening. And thank you for asking me to do this with you, Kristen. Thank you for saying yes. Yeah. I think about like, I've thought a lot about how lucky we are as a pair. Like, because this has been, it's been so much fun, but it's also a lot of work. It's a ton of work. And so, but neither one of us. Have taken our foot off the gas. No. I mean, that's that's no. really nuts, don't yeah. you think? It absolutely is. Yeah. It's because we actually like each other. I it is. It really is. It is. <laughs> that's why, for sure. It is. I mean, not just that. We love each other. We love getting to be together. So Yeah. It's a huge part of it. I've been trying to bang you for years. Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> this podcast. I has... love you as a friend, oh, Kristen. God damn it. <laughs> Give it time. <laughs> maybe when we've been doing this for 10 years, <laughs> maybe then you'll come around. <laughs> Jacqueline Rabbit, okay, this person is with me, says, don't cause a global pandemic or anything, but what are you excited about for 2023? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> no, so I've been thinking a lot about, so we we go on these breaks. Yeah. Um, so we have January off. Yeah. We are still putting out bonus episodes yes. on Patreon, you know, blah, blah, blah. But we yeah, do, we'll do our, our Zoom hangout, all yeah, that yeah. stuff. Yeah. We do our winter break and we do our summer break. And I've been trying to think of what I want to do during that time. Yeah. And I'm thinking of a lot of book related stuff. Yeah. I've decided I want to go back and read my first book. Yeah. And figure out if I want to self publish it. You know what I think. What do you think? I think you should fucking do it. People will love it. 
I, I have some fears about it. I'm like, mm-hmm. maybe I could write something better. Like, I'm working on another book right. now, mm-hmm. and I do think it's better than my first mm-hmm. book. But I'm not... I'm not super far. I don't know. I just there's I think part of it is like honestly being inspired by the podcast yeah. and like, OK, well, no one said exactly. they wanted the podcast. We did this ourselves. Yeah. So maybe self-publish the book in 2023. I don't know. What if I say that? And then, you know, I don't know. Global pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> book pandemic. What are the odds of that happening again? <laughs> no, stop it. <laughs> no, the only thing I will say that I am looking forward to in uh-huh. 2023 so far yeah. is Steve and I are going on our honeymoon. Oh, yes. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah. We are going to Key West for a week in January. So To lose your virginity. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The people do not forget. Uh, Richard in Jingle Balls also says, any new plagues you want to wish into existence <laughs> for 2023? <laughs> We really, we really had high hopes for 2020, folks. And listening back to that oh, episode, that's it's terrible. <laughs> it's so terrible. You know, part of it was the year 2020. It just sounded good. It did, <laughs> right? Boy, were we wrong. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Dop and Ditz wants to know who knows Kristen better, Brandy or Norm? Hmm. Okay. I'm going to say me, but mm-hmm. it's only because of how my brain works because I'm so yeah. – I just remember everything. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and – No fault to how well Norm knows you at all. Yes, yes. But you you really are like an old school library cataloging system. Okay, that's literally how I picture my brain. Mm-hmm. Like there's fucking file cabinets up there and stuff's just filed away and I'll get there eventually. Like it come like when you talked about like you don't know like what else you know about Liberace? I'm like I don't know, but then it just like comes yeah. out later. You know how I have pictured my brain? How? <laughs> a very big room with a lot of empty space. And like a really small guy in front of like a large but not very powerful computer. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And that tracks doesn't mm-hmm. it? <laughs> Ooh, okay. Classy Penis Cake wants to know, what's your favorite episode from this year? I, okay, so, I don't... I feel like I'd have to have a a big old list of them. Exactly. I would say that the episode that I'm maybe most proud of is... Is the Jody Arias episode. Uh, Yeah, that was a beast. It was so much work, Uh but I'm really proud of that episode. Yeah, you should be. It was great. Thank you. What was um, what was a case you did for the bonus episode? Not this one you did Monday, but uh-huh. the last one. What was that? Well, I didn't do that. Norm was on the episode oh, before but, that. So the one before that. Yeah. What did I do? Fuck. Hold on. Okay. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait, wait for, for it. it. Uh, in other news... I've got two tickets to Hamilton. Everyone, she's very excited. Oh, I, you're thinking of Sam Shepard, aren't you? Yes. 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 So you I covered got big old nuts and did the Sam Shepard case. You covered the Sam Shepard case for the bo- for one of the one bonus, of the bonus episodes. episodes. And I think the thing I loved about that was Sam Shepard is a name I've heard a bunch before, mm-hmm. but I'd never like really, really looked, looked into, into it the at case. all. Yeah. You did such a good job with that one. I just loved it. Thank you. 
You're welcome. I okay. I loved your Mark Wahlberg case because it really? blew my mind. <laughs> because I did, I th- obviously thought I knew a lot about Mark Wahlberg. You knew literally everything except for the hate <laughs> yes. crimes he committed. <laughs> Ooh, fierce Falalala Lama asks Brandy, "What's your favorite style or color that you'd never get yourself?" Mm. I love the hair questions. Oh my gosh! Do you okay. get sick of hair questions? No, okay. not at all. All right. Okay, my favorite that uh-huh. I I would love to do, but would never do on myself. Like uh-huh. I love a very dramatic. Okay, Bowl almost cut. a pix- no, almost a pixie. Uh-huh. So real short on the sides of the back, even shaved. Yeah, but then a very dramatic heavy bang. Yeah, I fucking love that look. I not Kareny, very edgy. Yeah, PC no, I we know texture. What, we know what you mean. But this is not the face for that cut. What if you get that weird um, surgery where you? Yeah, <laughs> I can get my little. I'll get a little tuck, and then I could get that cut. It's all for the haircut. No, I mean honestly, I love my hair right now. So it looks like, great. Well, not right now. It doesn't. It's like well, no, have it in a bun on top of my head. But hey, it's a two-episode week. That's we right. How we <laughs> that's exactly right. But no, my my hair is my favorite hair that I've ever had in my life right now. Mm-hmm. Just, okay, everyone. I've told Brandy, like I literally told you this today, mm-hmm. that you have gotten better looking over the past couple years. I think just happiness suits I, you. I think you're absolutely right. Thank you. It, it has made your hair grow. My hair my hair is the best hair I've ever had. It's healthy, it's beautiful. Like it's interesting. So I <laughs> Casey said something similar to me mm-hmm. recently because I was complaining about how my face looks fat. Oh and my gosh, and she was like she's like, "Okay, no. Legitimately, you look the best you've looked in your whole life. Like yeah. you look so good." And I was like, "Thank you." <laughs> you really do it. I mean, Thank you. Well, and fuck you because you're in your mid thirties. But it was funny because I've been thinking like, okay, in this new year, what new things do we want to do with yeah. the podcast? And I'd been thinking it really would be fun to get video cameras in here yeah. in the studio and like yeah. have people be able to watch us. Yeah. But then I was like, oh my God, but on those two episodes. I know. Weeks, people have to see me looking like this. I, I have a hoodie on and my hair is literally piled on top of my head. I always look great. So I You can't. do. You no, look shut, wonderful. Shut, you shut, do. Shut, you look shut. beautiful. No. It's when I'm on camera that I'm like, oh my God, I have to burn that sweater. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> It's like you see all these things and you're like, oh, shit. Oh, no. Ooh, okay. Here is a holiday-themed question. Okay. Classy penis cake. Oh, I already asked a classy penis cake question. I don't care. Fuck fuck the... Wow. Whatever. I'm asking whatever questions I want. Okay. Wow. Fuck, Mary kill. Okay. Fruitcake, eggnog, candy canes. Hmm. I would... Um, I'd fuck candy canes, I'd marry eggnog, and I'd kill fruitcake. Exact same answer. Yeah. <laughs> exact same answer. All right, great. Ooh, two bobs, one stone, asks Brandy. I have to have natural hair color for work, but I used henna on my hair. Is there anything that can be done? Oh, um, you look so sad I know, because person. I hate to tell you two bobs, one stone, but on a scale from one to ten, my friend, you're fucked. <laughs> Great, great. Uh, uh, henna is not easily or not even. Uh, it's, it just it it's, cannot be removed. 
it can't be removed? Basically. You can go darker to cover it, but it will still, like, that's your only hope, my friend. It's funny because I've always thought of henna as, like, the natural. Yeah, that's what people think. Yeah, but it is. It infiltrates that shaft. Mm. It's never coming out. Why does your work care what your hair color is? I agree. (laughs) Ooh, yes, it's me, Calm Down, wants to know, did both of you legally change your names? I got married last year and only changed my name on social media since I'm afraid it's going to be a big pain in the ass. Um, So I plan to legally change my name, but I have not yet because I already purchased the tickets for our honeymoon in (laughs) – My old last name. So can't do it until after I get back. And I literally only use the last name Caruso on the podcast. On the podcast, yeah. And when you become a published author. That's right. Did I say offer? Maybe I'll become an offer. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Maybe I'll start offering up. Make a bid, folks. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to have a hard limit of $5. Can't (laughs) offer less than that. Yeah, I don't know. I... I mean, we've said this on the podcast before. I go by Kristen Caruso for professional purposes because it sounds pretty. Sounds beautiful. Um, yeah. Slightly more beautiful than Kristen Pitts. Weird. Weird. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Ooh. Hmm. Sponsored by Costco wants to know, Brandy and Kristen, do you have any unpopular Christmas opinions? Something that most people like but you can't stand? Hmm. Hmm. I think the... Elf on the Shelf is annoying as fuck, and it will never be introduced into my household. Yeah, I can't believe people do that thing. <laughs> yeah, either. <laughs> um, I think it's sweet. Yeah. But some of the things you see people doing, yep. like, you voluntarily made a mess mm-hmm. of your home. Yeah. So um, Jackson has one at his other household. Yeah, and, and I am the elf just dreading, doesn't know about I am house. dreading the fucking day he mentions it to London and I have to come up with some reason that there's no elf at our house because there will no there will not be an elf at our house. Okay, let's think of the lie now so you're prepared. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um <laughs> You got you got something? You got anything? Give me something. Gosh. No, the, here's my problem. I'm mm-hmm. thinking of things. Yeah. And they're terrible to say yeah. to children. Exactly. Like, sorry, the elves are dead. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Here's what we could say because the two households are in opposite, are in different states. So yeah. I think I have to go with something state related. Elves are illegal in Kansas. So <laughs> Santa doesn't send them here. <laughs> Hey, listen, we don't sell alcohol before noon on Sunday, so it could be true. It could absolutely be true. You never know what kind of terrible, weird laws are going to pass in these states. Yeah, all of a sudden, London's like advocating to move to Missouri, the great state of Missouri. Ooh. Amber, the Buy Disney adult, wants to know what is the worst New Year's resolution you ever made? Oh, shit. Oh, Lord. For like a thousand years, I've had like weight loss related. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Never again. Good. Yeah. What made you stop with that bullshit? Um, I think I've just really like spent the last couple years examining toxic diet culture and how ingrained yeah. it's been in me in my entire life. And I'm never going to 
um, hate myself into loving myself. So, but have you tried? I sure <laughs> fucking have. So. <laughs> Time to abandon that ship and, uh, yeah. yeah, let's just, uh, let's, let's focus on health and happiness and, uh, that does not have to have anything to do with my weight. Yeah. Yeah. I've been working on this the past couple years too. Yeah. Fuck, it's hard. It's really fucking hard. Yeah. 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 It's funny. So we talked today yeah. about like, I want us to get new pictures for the podcast because the ones we took, I now realize, are like five Five years years old. old. Yeah. And I was telling you and Norm, like, I ever since – so I'm watching a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race and I just watched this old season of All Stars where this drag queen introduced herself in the funniest way. She goes, hi, I'm Ms. Cracker and I'm 35 pounds heavier than I was on season three. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly how I feel. I'm like, when like people see me in person, I'm like, hello, I look totally different, blah, 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 blah. I promise you no one is thinking that. Well, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. If they are, that's okay. Well, sure. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I need to stop seeing it as like, yeah. But also, I think we think that in our heads way more. Like, I've never looked at someone and been like, oh, you're heavier than the last time I saw you. Like, Mm -hmm. so I don't think people are doing that to us either. And if they are, I don't want to associate with that person anyway. So (laughs) what if they drive a cool car, though? Well, that might be cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Think about that. What if they drive a Subaru? Then you probably want to be their friend. Hmm. Hmm. Uh. What? The worst woman on earth wants to know, would you ever consider joining a podcast network? Um, No one's asked. (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, like, we're doing great on our own. So, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's funny because, like, when I think about goals and stuff with the podcast. That's never one of my goals. It's never been. Yeah. Um, I think... This is going to sound so rude. Um, but when I think about changes that are exciting to me, mm-hmm. it's never bringing in a new boss for myself. Absolutely not. <laughs> like, we are the only fucking bosses around here. Yeah. <laughs> and I like it and that way. And it's wonderful. Now, in terms of changes, it's like, would we hire people to help with some stuff? Yeah, maybe. Sure. 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 But no, I don't I don't need a new boss. No. Certainly not. I've got very little respect for authority figures. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I spent years thinking that I had to work for companies. Like mm-hmm. I thought it was really scary to be your own boss. And now I am my own boss in my salon and yeah. with the podcast and it's the best fucking thing ever. Oh, shit. Talk more about that, because I feel like a lot of people are scared of this kind of thing. Yeah. I always thought the idea of having my own business, like, yeah, being my own boss seemed very scary because you have Mm -hmm. no one to fall back on should something go wrong. Yeah. But and also I think there was a fear about like, am I self-motivated enough to. Which is ridiculous. But but, <laughs> but yes. yes, that was one of my fears. Yeah, well. myself motivated enough to do the job without the risk, without the fear of someone firing me from it. Mm-hmm. But was that that is the okay? That's one of the things about me. 
Mm-hmm. It's the and it's the most ridiculous thing in my life looking yeah. back now. I have any time I have worked for a company, had a boss, I always had this fear that I was always like two days away from getting fired. When like that looking back so now, ridiculous. I'm like a dream employee for a company. Yes. Like I always come to fucking work. I always do my stuff. You know that grazing is stealing. <laughs> stealing exactly. <laughs> so yeah, for a lot of a lot of years, I carried around a fear of because I would have people ask me that when I worked for corporate salons, be like, "Hey, have you ever thought about you know going out and doing your own thing?" My answer was always like, "No, that's terrifying." Uh huh. <laughs> but. I mean, it's the, it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, like, oh, gosh. I had I had fears about it, too. Yeah. Um, but when Norman started doing YouTube on his own, I was like, holy shit, sign me up. The dream. Yes. Yes. And I remember being scared because, you know, there are just certain certain things I'm not good at. Anything with a number on it. Nope. Pass. <laughs> um, and I think the thing, and like, well, how do we get insurance? Yes. And, stuff? and I think the big thing, and it was honestly, my favorite murder was a big inspiration for this part because I remember when we were thinking about doing the podcast yeah. and stuff, they would always say on their podcast, bigger dummies than you yeah. have done this. Yes. And that, honestly, absolutely. Seriously, think about some of the self-employed people out there. Yes. They're fucking idiots. <laughs> you think you can't do that? Yes. You're I promise so you, you good. can do it. Yes. yes. I promise you, you can do it. And you can hire people to help with the stuff yes, you don't the understand. Scary stuff. Yes. And honestly, some of the stuff you don't understand is really not as complicated as you're making it in your Correct. head. Yeah. I hope you're feeling motivated. That's right. You stupid piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, should we? Uh, do you want to end on you stupid piece of shit? I think I do. Yeah. I just, you know, because like that one time we were really optimistic about yeah. the new year. Yeah. No, not this year. Mm-mm. You stupid piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and instead, we will do our Supreme Court inductions. Yeah, that's for people at the seven dollar level or higher on our Patreon. And this week, we are reading your names and your first celebrity crushes. That's right. I better get horny. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. That's just what happens. Lauren Baker. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Callie. Prince Eric from The Little Mermaid. Oh, he was fucking hot. Oh, yeah. Renee Cake. Justin Timberlake. Darcy. Jeff Corwin. Animal expert. I don't, I don't know, know who that is. Who that is. Mm-mm. Yeah. Hmm. We'll okay. allow it. Kate's Lauren. Jordan Knight from New Kids on the Block. Mm-hmm. Holly Sly. JTT. Andrea Lee Young. Johnny Depp. Sad glitter whore. Andrew Garfield. <laughs> Not the president. Yeah. I, why would anyone think no that? No one it's would so ever think that. Dumb. Oh my God. I'm I'm up to date on current celebrities. Arg! Molly Marler. <laughs> okay. Brandy's not totally weird. Molly did request that it was said in a pirate or leprechaun voice. George of the Jungle era, Brandon Fraser. His name's Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser. Fra- I'm, I'm so sorry. And it's actually Brendan Fraser. It is? I believe so. You know, the irony is my mom had a crush on him for forever. <laughs> You'd think I would know my mother's crush's name. <laughs> You'd think I would know my mother's crush's name. <laughs> 
<laughs> Paige Hopkins Korovishi. Shia LaBeouf. The crush recently ended due to lawsuits, but I still love the way he dresses. I heard that Kanye West was obsessed with the way that guy dresses. Really? Yeah. Ooh. See, I'm up to date on all okay. the celebrity stuff. All right. Yeah. Lindsay O. Devin Sawa. Lacey Ponder. Jacob Dylan. Ooh, that's Bob Dylan's son. Ooh. Mm. Candy M. Sean Conroy. <laughs> Bridget De La Carrera. The Fox Robin Hood from the That's Disney movie. That was right. one hot fox. <laughs> Eva Louise K. Shigo from Kim Possible. I don't know. I don't I don't know who yeah, that is. Yeah. Andy Pittman. Oh my god, I just totally read that wrong. Okay. Andy said, I'm aromantic, so I've never had a crush. I'll say my favorite cookie is a soft peanut butter cookie with the fork crisscross. You I, read it as aromatic, didn't yes. you? So did I. I read it as, <laughs> I'm aromatic, so I've never had a crush. I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> I have a nice fragrance going, so therefore I don't have a crush on anyone. <laughs> Welcome to, to the Supreme Court. I was about to keep on going and read the episode 241 I wonder where the hell you yeah, were. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Someone needs a break. <laughs> I guess I'll take one. All right, all right. <laughs> if you insist. Thank you, everyone, for all of your support. We appreciate it so much. If you're looking for other ways to support us, please find us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, I did this in a completely different order than I usually do. Patreon. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And then head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and review. And then be sure to join us in February. <gasps> when we'll be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast adjourned. And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web, and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. I got my info from the BBC, the New York Times, Wikipedia, Newspapers.com, and excerpts from the book Liberace, An American Boy by Darden Asbury Pyron. I got my info from an episode of Accident, Suicide, or Murder, an episode of 2020, the Calaveras Enterprise. Syracuse.com, The Union Democrat, and Heavy.com. For a full list of our sources, visit LGTCPodcast.com. Any errors are, of course, ours, but please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff. Woo-hoo! Happy holidays! Happy holidays!